Hello, my name is Bob Bamber and welcome to the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast. We're going back in the time machine to December of 1995 for Volume 6 of this month's show. I'm not going to take you through the intro, you'll have seen them all by now. Uh, we are here for the end of year awards. I'm being joined by Chris Lacey. Chris, hello. How do you, Bob? Tom Martin. Evening, Bob. And Wayne Lithgow. Evening, Bob. So, just the end of year awards, but I think to, be, to, to kick things off, um, I'll, I'll go round the table. 30 seconds each. Chris, I'll start with you first. Your, your thoughts on 1995 in terms of the stuff you've watched with our podcast and maybe other things as well? Great year for the extreme. The big boys really do need to up their game this year. It has not been a memorable or classic year for the good reasons. Tom? Yeah, I would agree. I think ECW has been exceptional this year. I think uh, WWF need a uh, stick of dynamite up their arse, or perhaps Vince McMahon does. And I think WCW just need to um, either completely remap themselves or go away permanently. Wayne? Yeah, uh, ECW's come on, you know, um, leaves and bones really. But uh, WCW and uh, WWF have uh, have really struggled this year. But there is light at the end of the tunnel. Um, TV shows are are improving and we just have to hope that um, uh, pay-per-views are the same for 96. Well, I hope pay-per-views are better different anyway but yes you, you can tell that all four of us have gone through kind of preparing these uh these nominations for these categories and and, and struggled at times uh, I, i'm quite happy with the list i've got but there's some uh some quite questionable stuff anyway to to take you through how, how this works you, you may have heard it last year um essentially we've got 13 categories this year i think it's up for 11 or 10 from last year i think it was 10 last year um so basically i will go round the proverbial table uh, each person will introduce their nominees i I will scramble to write all of those down so that I can get back to them when we, we come around to the discussion. We'll discuss each category for a few minutes. We'll probably end up going over things and repeating ourselves as we go through, uh, as we kind of did last year. And then we will vote uh, in the event of a two-all draw or in the event of a each of us voting for something different. Uh, my, my vote will, will, will count double um, because, yeah. You know, I've got to have some authority on this show. So, yeah, essentially that's how it's going to work. But we will come to hopefully a consensus on each of these categories. And I'll, I'll write these up on, on the website, too. Um, so we will start with nominations for Feud of the Year. Wayne, I'll come to you first. What are your nominations? My nominations for Feud of the Year are Ian Anderson and Rick Fleur and Raven and Tommy Dreamer. Tom. Uh, I only have one nomination for this, and it's Dean Malenko and Eddie Guerrero in ECW. Chris? Hogan versus the Dungeon of Doom for shits and giggles. Alfonso versus everything extreme in ECW. And Raven versus Dreamer. Alfonso versus everyone in ECW. And another one for Raven Dreamer. And I have got Eddie and Dean. I've got Raven and Dreamer, and also, just for the sake of drawing power more than anything else, in a year that drew bugger all, I've also put Hulk Hogan and Vader, um, just because it, it, it did draw some money. Um, Wayne, we'll start with Ireland and Ric Flair. Well, it, it was a feud that, you know, in, in the end, um, it was it was fake. So, uh, you know, they, 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 they did it for, uh, you know, for a reason of... Uh, uh, the, the long game was was to you know get something out of Sting, but for that short story where you know they were, they were you know they were p- 
potentially feuding with each other. Um, you know, it was something we've never seen before. Um, you know, he got a lot of uh, interaction from the fans in, in that sense. I thought Ern Anderson played, you know, really good heel in, uh, um, in, in, in the role he, he, he was playing. And, you know, the, the, the backstory of, of, of these two finally going at it, you know, really close friends who were, who were now going out of each other. Um, you know, and, and the sit-down interviews that they were having just before the match at, at Fall Brawl is, uh, um, you know, something that I, I, you know, I really bought into. Tom, talk to me about uh, Dean Malenko against Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, I think in a year when, for, for me personally, I spent a lot of my uh, time watching pro wrestling and thinking, this has got to stop, this has got to change, this needs to be done differently. This was just an absolute joy to watch these guys work. And there wasn't much of a story behind it, and I touched on this when we talked about it uh, at the time, but it did have, it, a story did evolve uh, into it as, as it went on, as the matches went on. These guys are among the best in the business. Um, they're allowed to do stuff in ECW that they wouldn't be allowed to do in either of the other promotions that we're talking about here. And uh, as I say, a complete joy to watch. I could watch them wrestle once a week for the rest of my life, I think, and I don't think I'd ever get bored. And I mean that. Um, just uh, just it's overwhelmingly entertaining to watch, and that's, that's, that's why they get my vote. Chris, Dean and Eddie? It has been uh, one of those feuds that as Tom was just saying it didn't need a big hoo-ha around it the matches were enough for those two to be the feud that they were um you know they, it was just one of those of the the showmanship the one-upmanship and the competition worked for that feud yeah I, I think it wasn't, you know, probably my frustration with it was that they they spent so much effort in building these two up as so even. They never really kind of went all the way with either of them. Not that was ever really the point. Um, but in terms of a, a standard of match, this is about as good as you're going to see. Um, and particularly in a time when a standard match across the board, we're not talking about ECW trying to differentiate himself from the big two, not that they're really on the same level. This was them saying, yeah, you know, we can do things differently. Um, and they got two premier performers in, uh, in a, about a four or five month run and they wrestled each other pretty frequently. Um, and the, the quality of the matches was always very good or above. Um, and there aren't many guys that you can say about that about that could do it as frequently as I think as these guys did. Um, let's move on. Where shall we go next? Uh, Chris, talk to me about Bill Alfonso. Ah, oh, Fonzie, 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 the one man that in ECW where they love their heels, they hate and want to kill. He came in as the smarmy referee, sort of as, as the commission and sort of everything against ECW and the whole thing with Todd Gordon at the very beginning where Todd Gordon was going to lose his license and he wasn't be able to promote because of the state athletic commission which just automatically made Fonzie hated. And he was just so everything that wasn't ECW. He was, he didn't want hardcore. He didn't want the cheating. He didn't want, he wanted rules. Yet at the same point, he was breaking all the rules and letting the people that he liked cheat to win. And I have not seen anyone that has made that arena unanimously hate them like Fonzie has. 
Yeah, in, in complete agreement. Um, he uh, he will come into one of my nominations later on in one of the other categories, but he in many ways has been a breath of fresh air in that company in the sense that it it was starting to get to the point where you know like. Are there any any real heels in this promotion? Like how, how effective a promotion can you be if we want to talk about ECW being so good? How effective a promotion can you be if everyone is liked? It's it's kind of that that's not that doesn't strike anyone as major league if you've got a a problem where nobody's really disliked. Um, and Alfonso was incredibly effective at that. Whether it qualifies for this award, I, I, I don't know, but there's certainly a category later on that that we'll come to. Um, Wayne, I know you didn't nominate it, but but talk to me about Hogan and Vader. There's a lot of negatives that go with this, but, but the reason I put it forward, I think, more than anything, was that in terms of the biggest marquee feud of the year, I think this takes it by a mile. Yeah, I mean, for, for star power, if you're looking at main event feud, then, you know, you are going to look at this one. Um, I've not put it in there for, you know, for, for a reason of I wasn't, um, a, a fan of it just for the sheer fact of, uh, of Hogan's side. I knew how it was going to come within the feud. We, you know, we had not bickering, but um, we had uh, you know power um, struggles between the two. Who was who was going to get the win? And it, obviously, eventually, it was it was Hogan that took it. But yeah, I mean, if you if you're looking at star power main event feud of the year, then you know, yeah, you've got a right to put this forward. Yeah, I mean, you know. I- I'm not going to be nominating it, I think, on the basis that the it was a consistent disappointment. You, know, the, the, you look at the first three big WCW shows of the year from January through the March, um, they, they missed the mark either completely or largely with every direction they went with that program. Um, but I think it, it deserves its place in the discussion purely because in a year where nothing drew, this drew. It didn't draw for long. But it, it drew some numbers, and, and you can say that about it, if nothing else. Um, Chris, Hulk Hogan versus the Dungeon of Doom. Where do we start with just comic book 80s? In, in Feud in, of the in Year? In 1995. In Feud of the Year? Come on I, now. It, it entertained me. It gave me a reason to keep watching the WCW. And, you know, if, if that's something that it did, it's got to be, you know, looked into. The fact that Hogan was going against all of his old boys from the WWF, the matches were shit, but, you know, going to the dungeon and the Taskmaster and the promos, it, it was enough to sort of keep me watching it. Tom, Raven and Dreamer. Yeah, Raven and Dreamer, I, I didn't put it in simply because I think it's um, over been overdone at this point. I think they are really straining the life out of it and, and, and getting the dregs out that they can from the feud. Um, no question, the two have put on, put on some absolute barnstormer matches um, and they've got good chemistry. Um, I just don't think there's enough... There's not been enough fresh uh, creative stuff in, injected into it this year in order to push it on as one of the, the feuds of the year for me. Um, I've just found myself looking at my watch a couple of times when, they, when they've been fighting. When they've been involved in other matches, which, which I will go on to one of my other nominations later, when they, when there are other people involved, things can get interesting. But when it's just two of them, it has, it has run its course, in my opinion. Ooh. Chris. Raven and Dreamer have been the catalyst for so much this year. Cause they've, it's been their feud that has brought other people into their matches. And 
because of the the overarch of the Raven and Dreamer, you've had Cactus and Dreamer, you've had Funk involved. Oh, yeah. And if it wasn't for that main catalyst of Raven and Dreamer, the rest of it wouldn't have happened. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I think that's probably a consequence of the booking rather than the... T- I, don't, I don't know how to put it. I, 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 don't, I, I totally agree with, with what you're saying, but I don't think that's enough to justify put, putting their feud... It's almost like giving them the credit when I'm not entirely sure if they deserve it. I think the guys that you're talking about deserve that the pushes that they've gotten as a result of being as part of the feud. Uh, I don't think I just don't necessarily agree that they are the reason for it. I mean, it's it's in the discussion for a reason in that in in some ways, this is by far and away the best program of 1995 in terms of a story that's that went from, you know, post to post January through December still keeps going um, it stitched its way through probably every ECW show of the year it took Dreamer to m- a much higher place than where he was at the start of the year it took Raven a guy who didn't exist at the start of the year and made him incredibly relevant in in, in the ECW world certainly um, and yeah, there, there are some weaknesses of it. I mean, I, I don't necessarily, Tom, I don't necessarily share the idea that Raven and Dreamer, ne- Dream, Re- Raven and Dreamer necessarily had a great set of matches. I think it's, they've had compelling matches more than necessarily great, even great brawls or great fights. And you know, we haven't really ever seen them, them show off. But when you look at some of the crowd reactions that Dreamer has been getting and, and to a degree that Raven's been getting, it's been absolutely phenomenal. I think that's, that's why it's in this discussion in terms of a, a, a program that I don't know necessarily it's been a great story in terms of they just seem to attach so many things to it. it it's not been the easiest thing to follow. Um, but but kudos to them for, for, for putting this kind of program together and pulling it off. Uh, anyway, we will we will now vote on our feud of the year. Wayne. I'm going to go with Raven Tommy Dreamer. Tom. Milenko Guerrero. Chris. Raven Dreamer. Nah, it has to be Raven and Dreamer, I think. Um, oh, nice. No, no, I say, I don't, I say, well, I, 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 I think it's fair. However, I just don't, I don't think the matches are entertaining enough. That's where, that's all I'll leave it with. No, fair enough. Um, but uh, as a feud, as a programmer, I think this has been unrivaled. Um, I don't think anything really gets close. Uh, we will move on next to Tag Team of the Year. Chris. I've gone with The Public Enemy, The Eliminators, and Harlem Heat. Tom. Public Enemy. Wayne. Harlem Heat and Public Enemy. Interesting. I have gone with The Pitbulls. Surprised nobody mentioned them. Uh, And Harlem Heat as well. And my third nomination, some, you know, I don't know. We'll see about this. Uh, Owen Hart and Yokozuna. Um, Chris, start with the Eliminators. They've come in with just this energy. They are, I know they've only been there a couple of months, but they, they've come in. They've had amazing matches with the Pitbulls. Yeah, they've they've brought in total elimination, which is just an amazing finishing move. And there's just something about them that I really like that, you know, they are literally just throwing people around for fun. Yeah, can't, can't really disagree with that. Two really big blokes that could really wrestle. Uh, whether they've done enough, whether they've been 
in ECW enough to, to compete for this award? I, I guess we'll see. Um, Tom, the public enemy. Yeah, if you want to talk about a team that encapsulate the energy of ECW, I don't think you need to look anywhere else uh, than these guys. They elicit reactions from crowds like nobody else when they when they come out. And um, really, for two guys that are punching above their weight in terms of the reactions they're getting and the the amount of appreciation that fans have for their work, um, they're they're really uh, exceptional in, in the in the way that they get everyone involved. And they they make the they turn the atmosphere from a from a, a five to a nine just by coming out to the ring. And they've had some absolute badass matches throughout the year, through, literally throughout the year. I, I started making a list, but there was no point because um, every match they had, in my opinion, that I saw was a three star or more. And that tells you something. And also, by the end of the year, when you know that WCW are sniffing around uh, looking to sign these guys, um, you know they're doing something right. And uh, I just think they, they deserve all the credit in the world for, for working their absolute nuts off this year. Yeah, I... I'm not entirely sure why I didn't nominate the public enemy. I don't know whether I just didn't feel like they had as good a year as they had last year. And, you know, it's, it's, it's easier to have a really good year first up. And then it can almost be like, well, we're just as good as we were last year but because we haven't improved at the same rate. People don't perceive it the same way. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know. I never got that feeling with the public enemy this year that they were, they were consistent and maybe I kind of got, um, you know, a bit complacent while watching them. Um, but they weren't innovating for me in a way like, like they were last year. Chris, any, any thoughts on, on, on the, Emily? Seeing last year, I couldn't stand them. I've gone a complete 180 on these guys. These guys have won me over this year. Um, I literally thought they were just one trick ponies last year. They came in the way of the hands. They did table bumps. They've shown me this year that they can carry matches with all different types of opponents. We've seen them have walking brawls with the gangsters. We've seen them have tag matches where they've been having matches with the Steiners or the Eliminators. You know, they've worked with Mikey in that Kate in the Gangster Paradise Cage match, which was great. You know, they've, they've literally worked with everyone and shown me this year what you saw in them last year. You know, what, what everyone was going on about with them, I, I didn't get last year. And it, it didn't hit with me, but I, I, I've seen it. I've, I've sort of seen the light. I've had that sort of epiphany moment with them, if you will. Wayne, talk to me about Harlem Heat. Well, 94 is when, or end of 94 is when they finally uh, took the tag straps but uh, 95 was you know definitely the year where they were put to the forefront of the tag division and um, you know booking aside with the controversies that has uh, rolled all throughout the uh, throughout the year and um, these are the you know the tag team to be and you know this is definitely uh, the year and um, They've uh, they've won the titles on four separate occasions, and you know also got. Not uh, not so that's necessarily a good thing. I think that, no. that probably speaks more to WCW's booking of the tag division than it does well, there. Like I said, but bookings for one side and the controversies with all the screwy finishes and you know the mess ups with the editing. I think there was one time when they were, you know they was they were tag team champions when they wasn't, and you know all all that messing with the editing because of the TV shows. But all that to one side. 
Um, you know, you think tag team wrestling in in '95, and and I can't see any other option. These guys are an absolute brute force, and you know, they're, you know, force to be reckoned with. And uh, as I said, they, they brought in Sister Sherry, and you know, I think that's a you know a good mouthpiece for them as well. Um, adds to um, you know, adds to the ringside um, uh, for them. So uh, yeah, I, you know, I can't. I, as I said, booking to one side, I can't really fault these guys. Yeah, um, in terms of, I, I think there's, you know, the Pitbulls and the Eliminators can both feel slightly agreed about this, but I think the the best, in terms of the starting package, I think Harlem Heat have got everything that the others don't in terms of a look. They've both got great size, they're both great athletes. Um, uh, the the thing that works against them is everything that has been working against them as well as you say it, it's been the booking which has been pretty atrocious uh you know like the them being four-time tag teams champions having been harlem heat at least for around about a year just over certainly when their feud uh, their push started uh isn't a great sign some of their matches this year while at times good have been you know, modeled with shit um all the stuff with with sister sherry and colonel parker in the last six months of this year um they are the complete tag team package but they're 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 swimming against the tide um i'll quickly go through my other two nominations um the pitbulls i was surprised that nobody mentioned the pitbulls we got a shout for the eliminators i I've, i've been really impressed with these guys uh in terms of the intensity on their promos, their presence when, you know, not necessarily when they're talking, but just their, their visual and, and how they interact with fans. And, 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 but I think as, as two powerhouse wrestlers more than anything, you know, the, the Super Bomb is, is a great finisher. Um, they are a really good developing act. It took a while, you know, they, they moved away from Jason and we haven't seen a lot recently to Francine as their kind of valet. Um, but these guys, I think, in terms of we talk about Harlem Heat being phys- physically having the attributes, these guys aren't that far behind. Um, and the other team I nominated, and, and I, I nominated three teams. Really, I could have just fine not nominating anyone. I don't think there's been a standout in this category at all this year. Uh, was Owen Hart and Yokozuna? I think for the times when they were showcased, we talk about a tag team that, that headlined a pay per view in September. Um, I think they were very good. I'm a huge fan of Yokozuna. I thought the partnership with Owen Hart, while you know maybe they could have both been better off used elsewhere, the partnership made a lot of sense. Um, Owen, it kept Owen Hart. Just about relevant. Um, and it, we got to see Yokozuna probably in what he's best at now, which is short, sharp bursts in, in, in kind of tag team situations. Um, Wayne, your, your nomination for tag team of the year. Harlem Heat. Tom. I, I, I really don't like to go against my original nominations, but you guys have sold it to me. I, uh, and I think due to their in-ring talent alone, I am going to switch, switch over to Harlem Heat. Chris. Gonna give it to the Heat, seeing the fact they managed to be the only tag team worth noticing in WCW for a year. Yeah, four for four on the Heat. I don't think it's been a great year for tag team wrestling, uh, but I think it says a lot about Harlem Heat that they've stayed afloat when the booking has really tried to do anything but to them. Um, but I, I think they've they've been a consistently good act when they've been given the opportunity and I, I, I hope for more from them in 96, certainly with the public enemy going to ECW, we'll see. Uh, moving on to the ne- next category, it is non-wrestler of the year. Any 
person that isn't either predominantly a wrestler or never wrestles, i.e. they're a manager, a valet, a commentator, uh, whatever, um, in this category. Chris? I clearly come with two, Joey Styles and the superheel, Bill Alfonso. Tom? By far, my clearest nomination of the entire awards, Bill Alfonso. Wayne? Um, Eric Bischoff and Steve McMichael. Hello. I like Bischoff. I didn't think about that, actually. Um, I nominated Joey Styles. I nominated Bill Alfonso. And someone that I was a little bit surprised that hasn't come up, Sonny. Sorry, uh, I have actually got Sonny as well, Bob. Oh, I'm a Okay, that, make, that makes yeah. a bit more sense. Okay, uh, where should we start? Uh, let's start with Eric Bischoff, Wayne. Uh, I, not somebody that immediately came to mind, but but now you mention it, somebody that I perhaps should have given a bit more thought to. Well, he's he's made Monday nights enjoyable again, hasn't he? Um, he's give WCW the shot in the arm that it's drastically needed for um, for TV. Um, as I said, he's, he's started to make must-see TV. He's, he's, he's given us the, the shock factor. Anything can happen. You know, he's, we've had the uh, uh, Luger walkout. Um, we've, um, we've also had Alundra Blaze or, or Medusa uh, come and, and drop the women's title in, in, in the dustbin. Um, I think, wait, now, in terms of the spirit of the award, I think this is more to do with an on-air act rather okay. than influence on an overall product. I know I think Paul Heyman won this last year in part because of his his role in ECW, but I think he also won it just because he was cutting some barnstorming promos at various points last year. And I, I was I was a little bit surprised when you said Bischoff, but I think there is justification for him being here as an on-air act. Um, but I don't know whether it stretched as far as being the best on-air personality, in part because he, he is a dreadful commentator. I was going to say, if it if it's on a personality alone, then he wouldn't even get nominated from it. So if that is the the you know the the, the fact of of how you get nominated in this category, then we'll we'll move swiftly on. Yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't want to push him. Yeah, he is a bad commentator, but I think he brings a presence to Monday nights. And the one thing that has always been an advantage, it's part of the reason why we had to stick with Vince McMahon on on WWF, is that having the guy who's running the ship as your lead commentator is a very effective way of telling stories because you can he believes in them in that you sometimes you'll get commentators who you know Tony Giovanni has to seriously talk about the Dungeon of Doom it might not always work but you've got a guy who's helping as part of that decision making it makes some sense um but given that we're not going to nominate him because we've got to move on um Wait, Wayne, Steve McMichael, same question. Yeah, well, I actually, when he was when he had that short stint, he had in WWF. Uh, I think if you go back and listen to, it was either April or, or March uh, review. You know, I was singing his praises then. You know, I thought he was going to be uh, having uh, having a match up with, uh, with with Karma. You know, that probably leaves less than to be desired. But um, you know, I, I, I like the interaction that we was getting from him. I liked him on on commentary, and then. You know, fast forward, uh, you know, six months down the line, we've got, you know, Nitro, the debut of Nitro, and he's coming on the, you know, and I do like the interaction with him and, and Bobby Heenan. You know, you, you, you used to see him, Bobby Heenan, in the comedy spot, but, you know, I also like uh, Steve McMichael, uh, McMichael in, in, in that spot with uh, with interaction with, with Bobby Heenan. And, 
Is he, you know, can he, can he call a match? No, he can't. But what he brings to the table is, you know, is a different dynamic altogether. And uh, and how can you not like a fully grown male who, you know, is a former Super Bowl winner who uh, who brings a dressed up chihuahua every week? Uh, dressed differently every week. Which, which dressed is, differently every week. Sorry. Which is which is some feat. Um, but yeah, I, I know what you mean. It's um, they've. They've transitioned a guy from a football player, you know, both companies have had him at points this year, and he hasn't sucked as much as he, he could have done, um, but I, I don't know that well, it's working on Nitro, I don't He's, he's no Art Donovan, I'll give you that. Well, that, that's, I think that's faint praise. Um, let's... Let's move on. Uh, I think it is a, perhaps, I'm not sure Bischoff or, or McMichael's gonna win it. This is gonna be fun. Um, Chris, Joey Styles. I am one who doesn't like normally a one-man commentary on any type of sport because you know, especially if it's someone that you don't like their voice, it can it can grate on you if it's just one single diatribe. And you know, with WCW, you normally have a three-man booth. WWF you normally have a two-man booth, and there's sort of the bouncing off and the camaraderie in commentary, and even with all different sports, football. American football, hockey, everything has the multiple commentators. Joey Styles somehow manages to be the colour guy, the analyst, and doing play-by-play in one and never misses a beat. He manages to tell stories. He is super knowledgeable with... All of the, the guys that are in the ring, he, he's there sort of doing the Lucha Libre stuff and calling the moves in Spanish and trying to keep up. And at the same time, he can call a hardcore brawl and make you feel every blow that's going on. And for one guy to do that on his own for a whole show, he, I would say he is the best commentator around. Well, that, that's not a doubt. Um, but not that there's a lot of competition, but, but yeah, I mean, in terms of, you know, it, it, it sticks out in part because Eric Bischoff is awful, in part because Vince McMahon is probably a little bit worse um, in terms of play-by-play. But Styles in any era right now is as good as you know anything I've heard down the years in terms of they. I think particularly it's his versatility more than anything. I mean, I have some gripes about some of the ways things get presented, and are you know it can't be that easy when you're trying to commentate and narrate a show that's you know full of stuff that's you know chopped up from different places. It's not like being sat and commentating on a show that's playing out in front of you live on in an arena, and it's it's an hour long, and there's a coherent kind of story to it. There's a lot of chopping and changing. There's a ton of post production. He obviously he's not he's not recording any of his commentary lie so that's not that easy but in terms of when they throw you know psychosis and Rey Mysterio at times he just threw up his hand and said I don't know what to call this move but you can appreciate a guy trying and he's also adding some stuff to matches as well um but by far and away not even close really I assume he's not horrendous but but yeah, by and large, by far and away, well, Shivani's not bad when they're not undercutting him. But Styles, by far and away, the best commentator in wrestling right now. Um, Tom, Bill Alfonso. Oh, Bill Alfonso, right. Well, I mean, to, to, to plead his case, uh, and he was touched on earlier, can anyone, and I'll open this up, can anyone name me another wrestler, non-wrestler, someone involved in, in pro wrestling, 
that has come into a company uh, where they didn't have any heels and gained enormous heat in such a short space of time. And if they can, I'd, I'd really like to hear it. I, I, I'm drawing blanks. Chris? Uh, even with knowledge of the 80s, nothing. Wayne? Nothing from me. Carry on, Tom. Uh, well, I think I think that, that I, wasn't, I, I was being a bit sort of you know a bit obvious now. So I wasn't thinking anyone anyone would uh, have an answer because the guy the guy just oozes that dislikability that some people just have. Uh, you just want to punch him in the face, and he's so uh, you know he's got the crooked teeth and he spits when he talks and he don't, he can't dress properly and he's such a he's like that kid at school that used to all constantly get in your face or constantly get in people's faces and he'd always get punched and he'd always get pushed around but he'd keep coming back and he, he just had this he's got this enormous um dislikable fact uh, sort of thing about him where uh, he he just oozes that that I want to punch you thing and that, and now that's not to say that he's not talented as well the guy has been cutting promos all year um and the crowds have been absolutely white hot in, in, in coming after him and, and, and you know, the, the feuds he's been involved in. Everybody that he's been involved with has come out um, better as a result of him being involved in it with them. Um, and that's something I'll touch upon in one of my other nominations later as well. Um, but he is, in my opinion, the best heel of the year. And uh, I, honestly, one of the best heels I, I, think, I think I've ever seen. I, I don't mean to overstate that. He's a prick. I mean, that's... That's really it. He, like, I, I, I can, like, it, it's, I, I, I'm fighting a conflicting battle in my own mind of admiring his ability to be a heel and thinking he's a dick. And it's like, as someone who watches wrestling, the kind of angle that I, I do from, that's not, that's not an experience I get very often. But I said it about four or five times in the ECW shows, go into an arena where they want to cheer everyone, where they're a, a smart crowd, they're a crowd that reads newsletters, they're a crowd that, you know, is underground. They cheer everyone because they know their backgrounds. They cheer people because they, they see an effective heel character forming in front of their eyes, so they start cheering them. They hate him. It, I... <laughs> He'd been there about a month, and like Alfonso wasn't even there. And there's that really good segment where 911's chokes out in the piss out of Jungle Jim Steele. Remember him? And and you know, Paul Heyman's getting nuclear reactions just mentioning his name. He wasn't even on the segment, and it's like this is nuts. So yeah. effective. Yeah, um, it's, re- it's remarkable. Um, Wayne, Sonny. Um, there's obvious positives about Sonny, but. Unlike my comments about Kimberly earlier on this month, I'll try and stay objective, if uh, that's what you prefer. Um, look, WWF have, have not had a female heel manager since Shara. Um And, you know, it's it, 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 it's been needed in my eyes. Um, she, she interacts well with, with the viewers at home. Um, you know, she, she's there for a purpose. She's not just there for her looks. You know, she's doing a, um, you know, a, a great job with, um, with, with, with Skipper at the moment. And, uh, you know, I, I, I can't really say much more about her. Just, you know, I think it's just something that's been needed in WWF for, for a while. Yeah, in terms of a really good act, I think the thing that undercuts her this year is that she's with an act that has a fairly me- medium level ceiling. I don't know that Skip is tall enough where the likes of Vincent Mann is really going to give him the push. Um, but he deserves that perhaps she as an act deserves. I did read a story earlier this month that they're considering having her 
uh, I think they said 79-year-old storyline husband dying and her inheriting his his fortune and then going on to manage Hunter Hearst Helmsley, which of all the crazy wacky ideas I've heard is right up there. But that that's that's the kind of direction they need to go in. She is an act that is too good for this this lower card role. Um, and I think the thing that Anna cuts her is she hasn't she's been effective, but a kind of a like Harlem Heat only effective in the stuff they've allowed her to do. Uh, let's let's vote on this, Wayne. Well, I'm, I'm actually, now that you guys have, uh, have nominated him, um, because he had that match, um, at November to remember, I didn't think I could include him in this category. So as a placement swap with Eric Bischoff, I'm gonna go with Bill Alfonso, and that's my nomination. Chris. Fonzie. Tom. Bill Alfonso, baby, you know it. Four for four. What a, what a brilliant year he's had. Uh, right, we, we will breeze through this final category before we, before we hit our, well, our own break anyway. Um, in the sense that there's not a ton of discussion to do with this, but worst match of the year. Um, it, it, this, like, best match of the year, I've allowed five nominations rather than three for each bit. Um, you know, we, you don't need a ton of discussion on this, but, um, Wayne. Renegade versus Orndorff at Bash of the Beach. Mabel versus Savio Vega, King of the Ring final. Hogan versus Giant Monster Truck match, Halloween Havoc. And Randy Savage versus Zodiac, Halloween Havoc. Tom. Bret Hart versus Bob Backlund at WrestleMania. Diesel versus King Mabel at SummerSlam. Uh, Wayne. Um, sorry, Chris. Wahoo versus Murdoch. Mabel versus Yokozuna and the World War Three Battle Royal. That's about three matches here that I forgot about. Uh, right, Kevin Sullivan versus the Renegade from Nitro in October. It was three minutes. It was absolutely awful. Um, what else have we got here? World War Three main event. Uh, I've got that too. Uh, we're not going to have time to discuss all these. Uh, King Mabel versus Diesel from SummerSlam. Um... No, I've got to change one of those. Yeah, Bob Backlund versus Bret Hart, WrestleMania. And my final nomination is Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan versus The Butcher. And I think it was Kevin Sullivan at the Clash of the Champions in January. Um, all matches that have earned their place in this discussion. But we, we, you know, it's only, there's only so many times we can say this match was crap. Um, Chris, briefly talk me through maybe your top two of the stuff you got down. The Wahoo Murdoch match, I'll be nice and quick. I hated them in the 80s. I hate them even more in 95. Mabel versus Yoko. Do we really need to see two little fat lumps pushing each other around for 10 minutes? And World War Three. whose idea was it to have three rings? It was a fucking mare to follow. Tom, same thing. Kind of brief, brief comments on, on your top two or three. Yeah, I mean, I only picked two. Um, my comments on, on Bret Hart versus Bob Backlund are, um, I mean, Roddy Piper's consistent screaming throughout it just gave me, it gave me a rate. Um, do you quit? Hart, what do you say? What, which, what was the line? Uh, uh, do you give up? What it, was it, what do you say? Or something like that. What it, I can't remember. It, it was, it was ridiculous. I, I've, I haven't watched it since and I don't want to watch it again. So I, I, I don't, I don't want to quote it. Um, but also Backlund finishing an I quit match by saying, yeah. <laughs> Is one of the most ridiculous things I'll ever see. Um, and I think it's Bret Hart's, Bret Hart's worst match that he's ever had. Um, and Diesel versus King Mabel at SummerSlam was just an absolute joke. 
Um, it was a mess from start to finish with Luger and etc. People getting involved, and also it came after um, one of the best matches of the year uh, in Shawn Michaels versus Razor uh, ladder match two. So terribly placed, terribly booked, terrible, terrible. Uh, Wayne, you, you sat through a, a ton of WCW this year. What, what, what were the lowlights? Yeah, well, one WWF lowlight was Mabel versus Vega. Um, you know, we've seen Vega for the fourth, that was the fourth match he was in that night, and it was, you know, the, sucked the life out of the, uh, out of the crowd. You know, they were chanting for another promotion. Um, Mabel was, uh, was, was Mabel. Um, it was less to be desired, the match, and, um, it was, it was just downright boring. Um, and then the other one was, uh, was, was Savage Zodiac. Um, it wasn't even a match. I think the, the, the highlight of, uh, of that particular match was, uh, was the guy that jumped the crowd and tried to get in the ring. Yeah, um, I don't think we're gonna, not, we're gonna vote on these. I think, I think they all, they all combined deserve the award. I mean, I'm, I'm amazed we only mentioned the Renegade twice. I think you could make a justification for having every single one of his matches being in this category. Um, Backlund versus Brett really does stand out though. Um, in terms of, you know, I expect, you know, I expect Mabel and Yokozuna to go out and stink up the place, or anything to do with Mabel. I expect Renegade, anything to do with him to stink up the place. But, you know, Backland and Brett, like, how do you, how do you, how do you take two guys who are so good and, and, and make it be so bad? Um, go on, we will vote. Let's, let, let, let's see if we can find any kind of consensus. Chris. Wahoo. Wayne. Savage Zodiac. Tom. Brett Backland. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with you on Brett and Backland. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I, don't, I don't know if there have been worse matches. I think in terms of, you know, part of the reason, you know, Mabel, it's like, Mabel's always going to be bad if he has a below average Mabel match. He's probably shy, but, you know, he's still trying. How you could get two guys so good, and how anyone could get a bad match out of Bret Hart, I have no idea. Um, but that really was a low light. But yeah, all, all of the things we nominated, I even took Mabel against Savio Vega out of my list just to get Bretton Backland in it. Um, but yeah, and there's so many more. Anything involving Renegade, anything involving Mabel, uh, they're all there. And we move on next to best show of the year. An important uh, disclaimer for this and the, the next category is that show is defined by a pay-per-view television show slash live event that we were able to obtain on video. So, for example, a bit like last year when we nominated an episode of Hardcore TV. Uh, it's not just for pay-per-views. Uh, Wayne, I'll come to you first. The first episode of Nitro and November to Remember. Tom. November to Remember. Chris. November to Remember, Gangster's Paradise, and The Rumble. Hmm. And I've got the first Nitro, I've got November to Remember, and... Oh, I've also got Starcade. Oh, it's an interesting one as well. Um, Chris, The Rumble. I, I, I'm intrigued. I quite enjoyed it. I've, it was one of the better Rumbles since 92, as, as the actual Rumble itself. I liked the Razor and Jeff Jarrett match. I liked Diesel and Brett with how that finished. Uh, you had a fair. You liked that finish? Was was yeah. that was that the problem? It worked. You know, it meant that it, it sort of kept the feud going for a little bit, going into what was then going to be Brett and sort of Backlund and everything else. It was all right. The Rumble was good, and I liked. The tag team match with one two three kid getting the tag team titles for twenty four hours. Yeah, fair. it's probably 
top two or three of WWF shows this year. I think that's that, that's certainly fair to say. Uh, in your house, five will be competition with that. So, um, Chris, remind me about Cancer's Paradise. That was the show that had the debut of Stunning Steve as the steve maniac in the background, cutting an amazing promo. Um, the really good six-man uh, elimination match in the cage with the public enemy and Mikey versus Too Cold, New Jack and Sandman. It was the first of the Ray versus Psychosis matches. It, it was a really good ECW show. And, and as most ECW shows are, worth watching. Yeah, um, I, I'll talk about Starcade before I think we get to, well, the only two shows that one of us nominated. Um, yeah, Starcade wasn't a perfect show, as you will have heard in Volume 1. Uh, had, had some weaknesses, the booking kind of fell off a bit towards the end, but in terms of a... I don't think there's been a better pay-per-view in 95, which is probably part of the reason I nominated it here. The other two was I've nominated a TV show and a, and a live event. As pay-per-views go, I thought this this gave you the best bang for your buck this year. Um, the wrestling quality was all there. The star power towards the end was all there, even when the booking fell off a bit, and it was a bit of a mess at the end. Um, but overall, I think definitely the best pay-per-view of 1995. That's also not what we're here to discuss. Um... Wayne, let's talk about the first episode of Nitro. Uh, you, you were on with uh, me and Brian. We, we reviewed it back in September. Uh, as 45 minutes go, this was a 100-mile-an-hour television show. And boy, was it fun to watch. Oh, yeah, it was It was definitely uh, in the in the fast lane. Um, not, not just the, the, you know, the... The, the matches as a whole, you know, we had an unusual setting. It was set in the uh, Mall of America, um, you know, which was something we've never seen before. Um, fast-paced opener. It had big field matches. You know, it wasn't um, a, a well-known guy going against a jobber in a squash match. It was, you know, well two well-known guys going against each other. Um, we had title matches. Um, we had Hogan on a TV show, um, and not only that as well, you know, we had big shots, it was unpredictable, we had Luger walk out, so, uh, you know, apart from that, as a, as a TV show goes, I think it was the best one of the year by far. Yeah, I, I, in part because they, they had a lot behind it, this wasn't just your average episode of Raw, it was a launch for a flagship show, they put a, a lot of investment into it, uh, I think you're right, I think the Mall of America setting was... A fair amount of why it's, it was so memorable because a lot of the other nitros with the similar kind of setting and staging in the similar kind of lit arenas all kind of meld into one. But this opening show in this very unique setting for a, uh, for a wrestling show certainly stood out. Um, and yeah, this, you know, this was, this was all the positives of nitros without the time lag that meant that we got a big build up of negative ones, uh, negative, certain negative points about nitros that have followed since in terms of the, the, the lack of clean finishes and matches and all of that. Um, this, this had everything and it, it moves so fast. I mean, they, they, they barely took time for breath. Um, Tom, remember to remember. Yeah, uh, November to Remember was the best show from the best promotion uh, this year, which is why I think it deserves the vote. Um, I think on paper, it may not have had the best... It didn't. There were no match of the years in it, uh, or even match of the year contenders, in my opinion, um, but it entertained from start to finish. And it had a, one thing that, that, that was lacking from watching pro wrestling this year for me was watching and thinking, I really want to see where this goes. I really think there's a lot of potential here. In a, in a year's time, this might have become this, and I can really see loads of loads of different avenues going off as a result of this. That's what November to Remember had for me, because um, you know we had the, we, we had uh, 
Bubba Ray, uh, Bubba Dudley, um, doing his thing. He's got a lot of, um, lot of, uh, talent. And I think they really just started tapping into it in there. He, had, he did a great promo. Um, there, there, there was Mikey versus Steve Austin, uh, Steve Austin, which was really good. Uh, and, and again, as, as it was touched on before, Steve's really coming into that role. Um, and this just showed that, a uh, showcase that. Um, it had a great main event as well. Um, Funk and Dreamer versus Raven and Cactus. And ha- having said earlier, I thought that the Dreamer Raven um, uh, feud had run its course. This was in November, and it was a fucking awesome match. So you know there there are degrees to to to, to that. But um, it was just a brilliant show. And I, and I think that again, uh, just just to repeat, well, I'm probably going to repeat a thousand times again. ECW um, have, have set the set the bar pretty high this this year, and I think they deserve the credit for it. Chris. Pretty much what Tom just said there, you know, it was the single best two and a bit hours of wrestling this year. It was super consistent. Yes, none of it was super standout match of the year because nothing was bad for it to look good against, if you understand what I mean. Um, it culminated lots of bits and pieces that have been going on for a while. We had the Extreme Luchador death match. We had the main event of Dreamer and ja- uh, Dreamer and Funk versus Jack and Raven. There was the Pitbulls were there with um, Pitbulls and Eliminators match. Obviously, uh, Todd Gordon and Alfonso and that absolute heat fest. And it was it was just the best show this year. Yeah, it's a. A two and a half hour variety show. Um, you know, you, you look at a lot of really good wrestling shows and you have to like the really good stuff invariably because it, there's one or two really good matches that make a show stand out. If for whatever reason you don't, you kind of fall flat. Now, admittedly, better shows would have, would have toppled this in, in other years. I'm not saying this is the, the, the best, you know, show, wrestling show in the last five years or anything like that. But in a year where nothing really stood out among the major promotions, ECW, managed to turn on a proper variety show that had a little bit of everything. And you didn't have to necessarily like it all. Um, there was negatives about the main event. Certainly I didn't love the main event. I felt it was moved too slowly for a kind of, you know, bar and brawl. Um, and Bill Alfonso, Todd Gordon had a lot of, you know, histrionics. It wasn't necessarily something of the highest quality. Um, but there was something for everybody. Hack Myers and Sabu I really liked. Um, there was a, a pretty good Rey Mysterio psychosis match. It fell down a little bit thanks to the gimmick. Uh, there's a really good tag match with the uh, with uh, the Eliminators against the Pitbulls. Um, and I think I'm forgetting one. Austin and, uh, and Mikey as well. Not again, not without its flaws. And all the entertaining stuff at the start with Bubba Ray Dudley and Taz and, and and some other stuff with Bill Alfonso and all of that. Just a really good show. Ticks so many boxes. Um, Wayne, your nomination for show of the year. Because at the end of it, I was needing to get my breath back. First episode of Natural. Tom? November to remember. Chris? Easy, November to remember. Yeah, November to remember. Um, the no, Nitro has... Uh, I'm not knocking Nitro. It's very difficult. We're kind of comparing two different things. The first Nitro was really good, but in terms of a proper wrestling show, ECW November to remember was uh, the show to beat. Uh, we move on. This will be fun. Uh, worst show of the year. Chris? King of the Ring, WrestleMania, and Wrestle War. Wrestle War? Uh, Wrestle War 3. World, World War, War 3. 3. Yeah, 
I wondered why. It, it was so <laughs> bad I forgot the name. Close enough, close enough. I'll let you have that. Tom. Halloween Havoc. Wayne. Bash at the Beach, King of the Ring, Uncensored. And I have, I've actually changed one of my nominations here. I, I've got Bash at the Beach. I've got In Your House 4. This will be a fun category, this. And a late change. I've hooked King of the Ring um, because, no, it wasn't the worst WWF show of the year. I'm also including January's Clash of the Champions, um, which which Wayne will remember fondly. Um, where can we... It could be our ages with this. Where can we start? Um, Chris WrestleMania. Uh, is that a nomination because it fell so far short of where WrestleMania should be? I think that is the main thing of it. As As... The, the big show of the year nothing really delivered on the show as a whole you know as you said earlier in the worst match of the year one of the matches from Wrestlemania gets nominated in Bretton versus Bretton Backlund um, and we could have nominated Taker and Bundy I mean yeah that was just as bad obviously Lawrence Taylor and Bam Bam was the sort of publicity stunt for it but that was a waste of time and it did nothing for anyone coming out of it. Sean versus Diesel was okay, but as, as a WrestleMania, there was nothing there to remember. There was nothing there that was the big moment. There was no Andre getting slammed by Hogan, Macho Man with a title, Brett winning and then losing to Yokozuna or, you know, Warrior winning the title from Hogan. There was nothing there that made me go, that's my WrestleMania moment. That's the thing that I remember from that year. That WrestleMania 11 literally had nothing. Yeah, I think for the sake of the rest of the category, we better be a little bit quick with this because we could be here all night. Um, where should we go next? Tom, Halloween Havoc. Yeah, I, I, I struggle with this one a little bit because I think um, my issues really were more with the promotions rather than the individual shows. So I, I singled out Halloween Havoc because something needs to change in pro wrestling. Um, I think it, there, there, there's a lot of innovation, a lot of good stuff happening in ECW. Um, I don't want to blow smoke up their ass too much, but in WWF and WCW, something needs to change. And if I was to look at one show where I said... Top to bottom, there are so many things that I just thought, what on earth are they doing? How can uh, a show with a match of the year candidate be in competition for worst show of the year? Well, I also... A- and another really good match. Yeah, ironically enough, I had uh, Halloween Havoc as my show of the year. Because I, 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 for, for that reason, I've never in my life watched a show where I've been so entertained at one point but so just appalled and thought, what? And just thought to myself, no, this is, this is dreadful, uh, so many others. But when I, th- I thought about it long and hard, and I, I decided that it was a bad show. It was a really bad show. It really was. There was a, a, a really good match in there, which really should drag it out of the depths of the swamp. And there was another match that was decent, good to good, I would agree. But there is so much wrong with it that it's got to be singled out. for, for, for There are things that, that WCW shouldn't be doing like that ridiculous monster truck match that they did, which is something that should never have happened, there's something that should never happen again, and I'm hoping that it won't because of how much of a mess that it was. They fake-killed the giant. All, all you know, That's just touching the surface. There was loads of stuff in there. The, the Yeti, we won't even go there. Although it's stuff that, we, that we're going to look back on and we're going to think it's funny, 
it's stuff that a wrestling promotion should not be doing if they're trying to take themselves seriously and get people to actually respect their products. I know it's aimed at children as well, but it was ridiculous. So I, I couldn't vote for anything else, I'm afraid. Wayne, uncensored. Yes, um, we had, you know, a, a really weird King of the Road match that had been badly edited um, for the sheer fact that two guys got fired because they bled too much when it's, as Bobby Heenan said, it's uncensored. Um, we had a martial arts match that was booked completely wrong. Um, it was an uncensored, but we ended up having a match that ended up in a, in a DQ finish. Uh, we also had Sting that lost clean. Um, a complete messed up tag match the, where they had a fight in a really weird concession stand. Um, and a strap match where neither Vader or Hogan took a loss, but yet flirted. It just reminded me how bad that show was, Christ. Yeah, I mean, I, it, yeah, Uncensored qualified didn't make this nomination on the basis it was watchable, um, if nothing else. Uh, where shall we go next? Chris, World War Three. Just the whole, how it was shown is what made me not like this show. Um, the Three Rings, Scarford, most of the rest of the pre-matches before the, the, the Battle Royal at the end. And the Battle Royal at the end was just so hard to keep track of with how it was shown. It, well, it would it be fair to say that the show before the main event was actually quite decent? I mean, I know it was only a couple of months ago, but I remember it being fairly good. It, it didn't do anything for me. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, right, let's let's pick off a couple more of these. Yeah, Clash of the Champions, uh, the January show, I think it was 30. Um, a really, no, I mean, it almost didn't make my category on the basis it was free, such as, such as, and, and, and just to illustrate, we've, we've listed eight here. There's another eight we could have done, I think, fairly easily. Um, but Clash of the Champions in January, a really, really poor show. And, and one of the worst main events you'll ever see. I probably didn't give it enough justice in our worst match of the year. In the the reviving powers of Randy Savage's elbow drop to Hogan was was something else. And then the the aftermatch booking with Hogan and Vader was. I, I see uh, a lot of Hogan shit down the years, but this was quite something. I'd, uh, I'd forgotten about the the Macho Man healthcare elbow. <laughs> oh, was oh, that was that was fucking dire. It was. It was really bad. Uh, in your house for um, again, I, you know, it, it, it pits the, the tips the scale for me over King of the Ring. In your house for is so dull. And King of the Ring, you're you're so baffled. Like there's so many odd decisions going on. You, it, it's kind of intriguing, if nothing else. In your house for is just really, really dull. Um, we, we come to the the two shows that we we. Um, both at least nominated one of uh, Wayne, King of the Ring. Yeah, it was, you know, unlike Halloween Havoc, you know, they were very uh, bad, um, but this was just so bad it was complete missable. Um, it shows the weaknesses in uh, WWF roster, um, and like we like I pointed out before. You know, it's, it's a WWF pay-per-view, and the crowd, uh, granted, they were in Philly. Um, they were chanting for another promotion. It can't get any worse than that. Yeah, I mean, I, they, they were chanting for ECW a, a fair amount of the evening, but the moment, the, the, the nadir of the Mabel-Vega match 
we could hear it. Yeah, they were chatting ECW for a long, long parts of the show, but that was where it really whipped up. And that's, like, that's, of all the low points, of all the things that can happen on a wrestling show, the people that have paid to come and see your show, chatting for another promotion, that ain't good. That, that's, that's not a good sign. Chris? No one needs to see Savio Vega four times in a night. No. <laughs> that, that, that is the main takeaway from that. Mabel was dire in every match, and that main event of Diesel and Bam Bam and Tatanka tag match. Dear God, that was dire. Oh, oh we also had Brett and Lawler, didn't we? Yeah. That's that's one hell of a podcast that we reviewed there. There was so that that show review lasted nearly two hours, I think. it's so, so much like the show did. Um, but yeah. Um, Wayne, talk to me about Bash at the Beach. It was set at a beach. Um, it was, it was another bad pay-per-view that, and WCW have been, um, piping a lot of these out, um, this, uh, th- th- this year. Um, and you know, this is, this, this is just an, an, another one. It was, it was dire all the way through. Um, we had a, a, a god awful DDP Dave Sullivan match, um, a, a lifeguard match, uh, the Renegade Orndorff match. It was, and 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 then another match was the uh, tornado, not the tornado tag match. It was, it was the, the triple threat triangle tag match. It was confusing, it? whatever it was, it was confusing, and um, the Hogan Vader match were. It was just a typical Hogan match. I think the only the only highlight of of the whole pay per view was uh, was the Ric Flair and Anderson Vader interaction right at the end. But apart from that, it, it was it was god awful. And and what tops it off more than me is on commentary they was announcing how many people were there when it was about hundred thousand people. <laughs> there was about six thousand there, if that. Hundredth, wow. Uh, yeah, uh, th- there are so many different ways you can look at this category, and as I say, do not take that list of eight shows as exhaustive. There are plenty more I, I-, I could have nominated. Bash at the Beach is hands down the most boring three hours I've spent on this project this year. I mean, you know, the- at least I was baffled by King of the Ring. At least In Your House 4 was two hours. At least Clash of Champions in January was free. This had everything going against it. And, and it's just horrendous. Car. I mean, when Randy Savage and Ric Flair have a bad match, like maybe, maybe it's just not your night. Yeah, maybe, maybe you've just, whatever. Um, but a crowd, yeah, Renegade was on it. We got DDP against Dave Sullivan. Oh, um, Tom, your nomination. Uh, my nomination was going to be Halloween Havoc, but I, the, re- the reason I didn't watch um, um, the, the Bash at the Beach was because I heard you guys talking about it in such a way that I thought, why on earth would I want to spend my time watching something like that? Um, and because I wasn't on the show that month, I didn't, and I haven't. But hearing what you've said, I don't doubt for a second uh, anything of, that any of you have said, so I'm going to vote for that. Yeah, there's no way Halloween Havoc was worse than Bash at the Beach. Impossible. I understand why you voted for it, Tom. But, uh, Chris? I would 
I was sort of semi-second what Tom just said about Bash at the Beach. I haven't seen it, so I can't give it to it. So I have to give it to King of the Ring, but Bash sounded dire. Why? It's the only thing that Bash at the Beach will ever win. Yeah, completely agree. Um, you know, as I say, I'll go, I'll, I'll, I'll give Bash at the Beach the, uh, the award here. It's just, that they're, that all of these and more deserve their place in this discussion. But Bash at the Beach is so long. I mean, about a better part of three hours. Like, as I say, it's, it's more expensive than Clash of Champions in January. It's longer than in your house and it's less noteworthy than King of the Ring. It has everything going against it. Let's, let's talk a bit more positively, shall we? Rising star of 1995. Tom. Yeah, my vote here is going to be Flying Brian Pillman. I um. Hang on, hang on. Just do nominations. I should also say that I call it Rising Star, but it's kind of Rising Star, Most Improved, Best Newcomer. It's about four different uh, awards bundled into one. Tom, you were just voting for Pillman? Yeah, yeah. I was, I, was, I was just about to say I had a couple of other people, but he um, he flew above the rest, if you know what I mean. Well done, uh, Chris. I've I've gone for three. I've gone for Hakushi, Psychosis, and Ba 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 Bubba Ray. That was me thinking we were going to get a consensus on this one. Okay. I'll be to see whether people question who I nominate. Anyway, uh, Wayne. Um, I've gone for Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit, uh, and I've also gone Brian Pillman, but I swapped it from DDP. So I've got to give DDP an honourable mention, but Brian Pill- Pillman. Okay. So, uh, yeah, uh, I, you know, uh, again, this... Uh, before I go through my three, it is, it's called Rising Stars just for the sake of brevity, but it does include kind of most improved, kind of the, the guy that improved their stocks the most over the course of the year. Um, I nominated Benoit and Guerrero. Now you might say, well, these guys were already stars coming into the year. Yes, they were. Um, but in terms of we're looking at a North American, the you know, showcase primarily, these guys weren't a lot at the start of the year. Certainly Guerrero had barely registered. And I think there's an acceleration they got right up there. And uh, Wayne didn't vote for him, but I did. I- I've nominated Darren Dallas Page as well. Um, Chris, we'll pick through your three quickly, given that you you, you nominated three guys and nobody else did. It's possible we won't, we, we won't get to them. Um, Hakushi. I like Japanese star wrestling, and he has come in and had some really, really good matches with Brett. He's done some matches with Owen, and he's been a breath of fresh air in WWF. Um, Psychosis, well, yes, I saw him uh, with the AAA stuff last year, but seeing him consistently, he is probably one of the best luchadors that I've seen, and just everything is great with how his work is. And then, obviously, Bubba Ray has been gold since he came along. And whether it be his talking, his stuttering, doing ring announcing, promos, dressing up as Santa at the end of the year, and even his matches, I can see big things for Bubba. Um, oh, of course, let me next. Uh, don't ask Paige, uh, yeah. Um, an honourable mention for me for John Be Bad, who almost corrected on this list. Um, again, he's been around for so long, I suppose that, that probably works against him. But Dian Dallas Page is a guy who, if we're going to talk about a character growing over the course of 12 months, I think his 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 character would take it. Um, you know, it's 
obviously you, you need people backstage going to bat for you and you need people willing to invest the time in your character and to give you the television time to work with and it's clear that these guys had a hell of a lot of fun here max muscle and, and the diamond doll doing all number of kind of wcw saturday night segments outside of outside of center stage yeah, there's a they have on the golf course was was one that comes to mind amongst many others. It wasn't always great, but they put so much time to the character, and he is getting there. Um, he's an old guy, he's late thirties already, which which seems weird for for a guy who hasn't is relatively fresh on our screens. Um, but in terms of a character who's consistently getting good heel reactions, who is in interesting views, he's right up there. Um, where shall we go next? Wayne, talk to me about Eddie Guerrero. Uh, well, Eddie Guerrero, you've like like you mentioned before, uh, this was one I was struggling with because yeah, he's a prominent star, he's he's well known. We've all heard of him before he comes to WCW, um, and uh, and obviously CW as well. So uh, it, it, it was a hard pit, but considering that he's he's now on mainstream television, um, and um, you know his, his stocks of of, of, of you know, risen um, um, massively. You know, yeah, I, I can't not put him in a in a rising star category. He's uh, he's had absolute stellar matches throughout the year. Um, no doubt we we might be talking about this guy later on in in, in other categories. And uh, you know, the fact that he's he's now had all those matches in ECW, he's he's now come to WCW, and we, we're seeing him on a you know. Pretty much on a on a weekly basis, and and he's having great matches there. He's 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 reliving a bit of rivalry with Malenko and uh, and Benoit, um, and you know we've seen another great match from him at the uh, at the Starcade pay per view, and uh, you know he's I, I think you just can't have this guy in in a rising star category because I think he's uh, he's he's risen um, and he's come on leaps and bounds. Yeah, um, in terms of yeah, what we're going to talk about wrestler and worker later later in the show. Uh, in terms of an in-ring worker, if if there's anyone better, he's right behind them. Um, he is as good as anybody I've seen this year in terms of an in-ring performer. And, and one thing I've praised him on a lot is his in-ring charisma, something that not all guys have. It's probably something that works against someone like Dean Malenko. And part of it was, the, you know, in ECW, the gimmick was, you know, he's this silent shooter type, so it didn't make sense to emote himself in that way. But Guerrero, as a as a performer, as a guy who can put together a match, he's right up there. Um, and, and talk about a guy whose stocks have risen. He is really well liked in WCW, uh, getting over apparently a lot with, with with kids, which can only be a good thing in terms of WCW Saturday night tapings. Um, Tom, let's talk about Brian Pillman. Yeah, Brian Pillman. Um, I think uh, when you talk about raw talent, because again, some of the guys, some of the guys you people you have already talked about, um, Eddie Guerrero, um, Bubba Ray Dudley. I actually had um, I actually had Taz penciled in here because I think what they've done with him at the end of the year in ECW is fantastic. The reason I sort of excluded all those guys, and DDP actually included, I'm really, really, really impressed with his work this year in WCW. Um, the reason I excluded them is because I think that they're, they're, they're recognised enough for their, for, for their work in the promotion that they're in and outside, particularly with Eddie Guerrero. Uh, although they've improved this year, they, it was already there pretty much, whereas I think Brian Pillman is the shining star of WCW this year. Um, I think he's had a couple of... He's been inv- he was involved in... Uh, what my nomination will be for match of the year, uh, without giving anything away. Um, but also, uh, he was involved in a match with Alex Wright earlier this year um, at a pay-per-view, which I thought was fantastic. It was the opener. 
Um, and it, and it really, really showed me, um, the talent that's there with him. Um, so raw talent, raw energy, someone that in a few years time could be pushed on to do God knows what, if given the right angle, or he could be left to waste in a company like WCW. Uh, but I won't go into that because we're being positive here. Um, just uh, a real, a real gem of, of, of a talent, I think. Why? Yeah, I mean, same, same sentiment as what uh, Tom just uh, said. There. I mean, you've got a guy that was pretty much floundering since the breakup of the Hollywood Blondes, um, and you know, he was probably close to to being released, considering that WCW was needing to to cut uh, funds um, in, in certain places. And then, you know, you, you had that absolute. Great match with uh, with Alex Wright at Great American Bash, and uh, and then also the one with uh, with Johnny B. Bad at Fall Brawl, which was you know two guys that were put in that match to to prove a point that they couldn't put on a match like that, and they did. Um, and then at the end of it, you, he's, he then becomes uh, a member of the Four Horsemen. So yeah, I, 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 you know I think he's uh, he's, he's he's one that has uh, that has risen quite a, quite a bit. Yeah, um, I didn't nominate him. I probably should have on reflection uh, in, in terms of a trio. This again, a difficult category because it is so broad. Um, but I don't know if there's been a more important guy in terms of WCW match quality this year than him. Um, there's an article I'm preparing for the website on a on the quote unquote WCW six in terms of the the six important guys in terms of the the guys that are involved in I think pretty much every good or better WCW match of the year. Sting, Arn Anderson, Ric Flair, Alex Wright, Johnny Bad, and Pillman. But Pillman probably was involved in four of the best five or six. Um, you had a great match with Johnny Bad, had a had a sterling effort with with Alex Wright, and, and uh, I think the match Tom was alluding to is, is, is the tag match from Halloween Havoc. Um, and there's another couple more as well. Uh, his stocks were really immeasurably. The other guy to mention. Um, is Chris Benoit, who I think is a fucking star. Um, I've, I've not enjoyed a guy in the ring working such a lightning fast pace than this guy, but he's so believable. Um, ECW did a lot of work with him at the, at the beginning of the year. Uh, he's got a long way to go, but he's improved so much this year in terms of the, uh, his wrestling's there. His wrestling's already right there. Um, one thing he needs to work on is, is creating a character around it that will get him in a position where he can be a big time star, but I don't see any reason why not. He's got the size, he's got the look, um, he can wrestle rings about anybody. Uh, I think the WWF made a big mistake, um, not snapping him up. Um, Chris, your nomination for Rising Star of the Year? Bubba Ray. Wayne. Chris Benoit. Tom. Flying Brian. And I will give it to Chris Benoit as well. Uh, one more category before we, we uh, I, I tease that we, we also let it out the break before we hit our own break. Uh, the non-match segment of the year, basically anything that wasn't a match, the best television moments of the year. Uh, Tom. Yeah, I'm going to go for um, Taz's heel turn. Uh, and I alluded to this a moment ago in November in ECW. Um, Hang on, Tom. Just go through the nominations. Uh, Chris, Kane Dewey promo from Cactus Jack, Austin's Dusty promo, and that long-forgotten but amazing set of vignettes with Stephen Regal and Earl Robert Eaton. Oh my God, I forgot all about those. <laughs> so did I. Oh, what seconds they were, Wayne? I've gone for Lex Luger walking out on Nitro. And I've also gone for Taz Hilton at November to remember. 
And I have nominated, I'm surprised none of these came up. Uh, Terry Funk returns to the ECW arena in February. Uh, Rick Flair's pair of B Flair, B Fair to Flair segments in April. And my final nomination, Shawn Michaels collapses on Raw. Where to begin? Um, go on, Chris. Uh, start with Regal and Eaton. I completely forgot about that, but but it's, it's a fair shout. The comedy of seeing Stephen Regal take the southern boy that is Bobby Eaton, turn him into Lord Robert, and try and teach him the correct way to eat, the correct way to go and get a soup and learn fine manners were an amazing set of vignettes and even if they don't become the winner of this award just go and find them and watch them again <laughs> they're amazing yeah and to be honest all of the things we've, we've nominated here are all great moments there's certainly a few more we could have as well um but yeah you're right in terms of pure comedy um the the these were were right up there um chris can do we I know when we spoke about this before with um, Jack's promos for the year, you weren't really that into this one. Um, but me and Dell both, I think because we're both parents, the Kane Dewey promo hit us more, and it was it was the moment for me where Cactus was more than just this character on a TV show. He was a real man with real feelings and the fact that the crowd was shouting to Kane, his four-year-old child, and the passion that came out of him in that promo was so, so intense that if you can get this guy to tap into that all the time, You've got instant gold every time. Wayne, Lex Luger arrives on Nitro. Um, that says it all. He All he did was, was walk out, but he'd not long since been working on WWF television, um, and then he just walked out in the middle of a Fleur Sting match, and it was like, what the hell? What is he doing here? Um there's not much more you can really say on it. It was just a complete shot factor that has made me put it in this uh, cat- as a nomination in this category. Uh, where to go next? I'll rattle through a couple of mine. Uh, be fair to Flair. Uh, I, I, you know, Flair got back his mojo towards the end of the year, but I think this were, these were phenomenal segments. Um, two Saturday night segments where Flair was campaigning on the comeback trail to get reinstated by WCW. Yeah, pre-tape promos in front of a, a blue screen, one with um, Magenta, I don't know who she was, and then one with a, a life-side cardboard cut of Hulk Hogan. Absolute barn-burning segments. Um, Terry Funk returns uh, to the ECW arena. This is a phenomenal moment. Um, basically, quickly, Sandman, they, they have this kind of crate out by ringside. Um, Sandman gets pushed into the crate by Cactus Jack. Jack then pulls out 
Sandman, uh, with uh, a kind of black sheet over his head, pulls him in the ring, pulls off the sheet, and it turns out it's Terry Funk. The place goes bananas. A really, really good segment. Uh, and the other one, I don't think it'll win this award, but I thought in terms of, given that it was probably WWF's biggest move of the year on Monday nights, was Shawn Michaels collapsing on Raw. Wasn't in brilliant taste, but incredibly effective segment, incredibly well executed. Um, Chris, Steve Austin channels Dusty Rhodes. Again, as we said with Jack and promos, Austin's promos this, when he was in ECW were amazing. Um, this one just showed a rawness and sort of exposed what it was, his struggles from WCW with everything that he was going to be said, but no kid, it's not for you. And you just saw the look in his eyes and you saw into his soul. And he wasn't just, you know, this blonde-haired lad who does the video camera signal when he was in the Hollywood Blondes or, you know, is out there with Colonel Parker and having matches with Steamboat. This is, once again, same with Jack, a real man, real emotions, and bringing out raw, sort of, his soul and just everything that is inside him that he wants to get out. Tom, Taz's heel turn. Yeah, Taz um, had a bit of a rough year. Uh, he had an injury, um, uh, that horrible neck injury, um, that I thought would put him out for a lot longer than it did, actually. Um, and when he came back, I, I personally never saw this coming, and I don't think many people did, um, that if they, they had that story behind him and turned him heel, he'd be able to cut a promo half as good as this. Um I, I, it's it's my favourite promo of the year. It's it's exactly what I want in a promo. Uh, you've talked about it already with some of the some of the uh, the moments the guys have talked about. Um, but when you see emotion in someone, where you think this, there's no way this is based purely on what's been written down for him or what he's written down for himself, there is some real emotion in here. And Taz was genuinely pissed off um, with with the fact that he'd been put out and with the fact that I think he was getting a push before he got put out. So he thought, right, fuck this, I'm going to come back and get get the exact same heat that I had before I left. Um, but, you know, luckily he was given the, the, the opportunity to do, to do it in a different way and get that, that nuclear heat that he got. Um, and for the, for the year, my favourite wrestling quote of the year will be, when, when the ECW fans chant stuff at the, at the guys in the ring, often it's uh, ignored or often I think they, either they're busy concentrating on what they're doing so they don't, they don't recognise it or they don't respond to it. But when the, when the fans were chanting, fuck you, Taz, and he said, fuck Taz, no, fuck you, uh, it just, it just, it was so, it was so, this just, it's all about what ECW was, is about at this time. Um, it, it's so hard hitting, so uh, on the edge, so in your face. And it felt, I really felt like he was saying it to me when he said it. And that's just the art of a great promo for me. Um, so, you know, fair, Full credit to Taz and full credit to the company for giving him the, the opportunity to do it. But that's my vote. Wayne, anything more on, on, no. on Taz Owen? No, not really. I, was, uh, I think Tom's um, um, spelt it out perfectly, really. Uh, Chris, your nomination for segment of the year. For the comedy value, Regal and Eaton. Wayne. Taz, he'll turn. Tom. Fuck Taz, no. Fuck you, Bob. <laughs> Thanks. Um... Yeah, no, I, I, I didn't nominate it, but yeah, you're right. That is a fucking phenomenal segment. Um, all, all the ones we nominated were really, really good in their own different way. But again, it kind of links back to the, what we said earlier about Bill Alfonso. A guy getting a genuine, you know, 
volcanic heel reaction in the ECW arena is something that we, we shouldn't really overlook. Um, quick one next up. Promotion of the year. Chris. ECW. Wayne. ECW. Tom. ECW. Yeah. We'll do this every year. I think well, it's that quick each time. Uh, next up. Flop or fail of the year. Wayne. Uh, Renegade. Dungeon of Doom. King Mabel. Tom. World Championship Wrestling. Chris. King Mabel. Monster Trucks. Renegade. Trucks. And Renegade. And I have Renegade. I have King Mabel. And I also have Diesel. Which I was a little bit surprised didn't come up. Um, Tom, nominating WCW. I know, I don't want to fail you. You said that you weren't entirely sure, I think, uh, about the kind of category. Um, I'd kind of argue WWF was worse. I I know we're we're leaning back on the category we just nominated on. Yeah, I I think this stems from the fact that I've seen more WCW than I have WWF this year. So my vote is based upon what I have seen. Um, But I think we touched on things like the Renegade and we touched on some of the the particular feuds and pay-per-views they did. Um, But for for going into the the start of the year, there was a lot of uh, belief behind WCW and what potential they had to really make a mark in the the industry and really um, set set themselves, put themselves in a position where WWF were looking over their shoulders. Um, and WWF haven't done themselves any favour either. So, so neither of them are, are by uh, by a country mile ahead of the other in terms of um, the, the the lack of uh, excitement they've in, injected into their products. However, from what I've seen in WCW, it's it's just stale. The whole thing is so stale, and the company are falling flat on their feet, and they really need to do something different. They're they're, they're milking the same four guys that they have been for the past two years. Um, they're doing very little to create new talent. And um, it's quite painful to watch for me as a fan of pro wrestling because you think there's a lot of money in there. If they had the right the right thought and right uh, ideas behind it, they could do something. Um, they've got a, a good a good roster. It's not great, um, but they're tapping into it from ECW and and, and where else they can internationally. Um, but overall, uh, just the company's just been a big flop this year for me. So that's why I guess my vote. Wayne, there's Andrew Doom. Um, I think for the sheer fact that it could have been a lot better. Than, than what it actually is. So all, all you've done is you had the another horrific stable, the three faces of fear, um, and then what have you done? You've just thought, well, we'll just keep the same guys and and we'll just add more of uh, uh, ex WWF guys, uh, Kamala. Um, I think you know they've added the giant in there, and you know you could probably look at that as probably um, one positive uh, f- from it. But it was it was a, it's a stable that doesn't work. Um, they've, they've they've failed against Hogan, um, and uh, the uh, the final part is um, you know I think we've touched on it once before is you know the they're in a a, a, a movable um, dungeon. <laughs> Hold on, the the dungeon of a truck, yeah. Yeah, that's the one, the dungeon truck, because it's just absolutely everywhere where these guys are, and it's meant to be all mysterious and and everything like that, and then you have Vader, Sting, and and Macho Man appear off camera straight into the dungeon, so uh, it's just the whole concept and everything else was a a massive failure. Yeah, um, we've discussed it so many times before, but uh, had it not taken up so much time, 
uh, it would have just been a little bit like Renegade, but given that it was such a dominant part of television and such a dominant part of programming, okay, it hasn't really got onto Nitro, as we discussed uh, in one of the shows this month. I think the reason why is that they, they want live stuff on Nitro, not pre-tapes. Um, but yeah, to be all over television and to be just so irrelevant and be in such a high position is really unforgivable. Um, Chris, Monster Trucks. This is wrestling, not Monster Jam. If I want to see Monster Trucks, I'll watch Monster Jam. Well said. There's, there's no need for it. Yeah? No? No? Fair enough, fair enough. Um, me on Diesel, yeah, go back and listen to our November WDF show. Um, to be honest, I, I could fight harder for his inclusion in, in, in this kind of category, and I probably should in the sense that this was the guy that was meant to be the next Hogan, and and not Diesel, Kevin Nash's fault, Diesel, Vince McMahon slash the people in charge of WWS fault, in the sense that they got it so horribly wrong in so many different ways, and like, yeah, just a start November show, um, yeah, to invest so much in a guy and to fail so badly, some of it's on Kevin Nash, but so much of it's on them, and it, it has to be mentioned in this, even if there are, um, Worst things. Right, we've got Renegade and King Mabel. Where first? Where first? Um, Wayne, Renegade. Bad Warrior ripoff. Even worse matches. And I um, think I'm going to be spending too much time than what warrants on, on this guy. Uh, 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 ridiculously overpushed. Yeah. Um, the, it, it, everything about it was just terrible. Um, the fact that he, he couldn't string a match together was uh, was was the worst part about it all. Um, because if he could wrestle, then us as the fans could probably get behind him if he wasn't getting forced down over our throats. But he couldn't. He couldn't wrestle. He, he couldn't put a match together. It was just downright awful. Every every fine detail about this guy uh, grained on me, and and um, and that's. Yeah, that's that's enough for Renegade. Thankfully, he's uh, he's lost the title and and forever not been seen since. Chris, can't pretty much put it better than what Wayne just did. You know, just shit warrior ripoff. Thank uh, fuck, it's gone. And a genuinely horrendous wrestler, like the the, the like of which that shouldn't be on national wrestling television. Just that bad, like really that bad. Uh, yeah, that's the, that's the thing, Bob. Just to jump in here as well, I've seen some of Renegade this year, and it's just one of those things. You think, okay, if there's like wrestling talent underneath it, you think, okay, they just need to change the angle, and uh, you know, maybe don't shove him down our throat so much, and we'll actually get behind this guy. He is bloody awful, and it's just so annoying to see someone with so little talent being pushed so hard. Um, it's something that really annoys the fans, and something that just just does not paint the company in a very good light. But so I thought, it's, like, it's what he represents as well. Like you know, their their attempt at, at the Ultimate Warrior, at least at least the Giant being WCW's attempt at Andre the Giant. Paul White, the guy who plays him, has got some talent, got a lot of limitations, sure. Um, but there's some talent there. Like you could have picked anyone, really. All right, you need a muscle head, I suppose, to be to be a Warrior ripoff, but. They got it wrong, and they, they yeah, they, they they pulled the plug, but it shouldn't have taken them that long. It shouldn't have taken them three, four months to to work out. It's, it's a bit longer than that to work out it wasn't working. The um, thing is, in WCW, they've got a training school, the power plant. There's clearly got to be some roid monkey down there that can wrestle better than this guy. You know what? What I would say is, what I would say is that, in his defence, if we can make one. 
he is modelling a guy who a lot of people think was pushed too hard considering how bad he is in the ring. So maybe he's doing his job very, very well, and we're just looking at it from the wrong angle. Well, well done, Todd, for coming up with the only positive on Renegade I could possibly have thought of. But yeah, but to, sorry, go away. No, I was just going to say, just to pull it back to a negative, <laughs> considering this is a negative category. Um, Alex Wright got uh, his push stopped for this guy. Enough. Oh time. yeah. Oh yeah. Sickening. <laughs> Believe it or not, it's not the end. Uh, Chris King of Mabel. The King of the Ring is. I know, I know it's a new concept and it's only been about for a couple of years now, but it's, it looks like it's meant to be your building block for your next big guy and your next big thing. And what has Mabel done, A, to warrant being given that chance? And since winning it, what has he done with it? He's, he's crushed Taker's face. He's had a, an abortion of a match against Shokozuna. And, He's just dire. There's it, not a promo in him. There's He ha- has no redeeming facts. And we're meant to think that because he's the king of the ring, he's going to be the next next thing. And it's just an abortion. Why? Yeah, I mean, the guy wasn't even pulling up trees. Uh, and you'd think for the size of him, he could pull up trees. But he wasn't even doing anything in, in the tag division. Um, and then to turn him heel and uh, um, and, and then make him, um, you know, king of the ring, uh, just for the sheer fact that you want a big guy to, to go against Diesel at SummerSlam. Um, everything from start to finish was was wrong about this, uh, uh, about this gimmick and, and, and this change. And, uh, you know, there's... I know the roster isn't isn't deep, but there's probably two, three other guys that you could have put in in his position instead. Imagine looking at the WWF locker room. I don't know, April May time, uh, uh, and looking round at the guys and going, "Okay, we need a new heel. We, we we've turned Sean. Fine. We've turned Bam Bam. We think it's a good idea. Maybe at the time it was. It probably wasn't." Imagine going, we need a new heel, we don't have one, of picking Mabel over all of the other cho- all of the other choices. I mean, I don't blame him in the same way I don't really blame Rick Wilson. Like Rick Wilson was, like who who would who in Rick Wilson's position would have turned down the opportunity to play an Ultimate Warrior knockoff gimmick on national television? Who would have done it? I think we all would if we were, if we were a wrestler. Uh, I can't blame the guy who plays Mabel for the same reason. In the, who would have turned down that position? And, and reports are that you know, him and Diesel did lobby for their SummerSlam main event not to go on last because you know, who the fuck could have followed Sean Razor anyway? But just an unforgivable use in terms of it was always going to be shit. I could have told you it was going to be shit before you tried it, and you still did it. Um, and I'm nominating King Mabel because at least Renegade was mid-card. That's why I'm nominating Mabel. Chris? Mabel. Tom? I haven't... I only saw one match of Mabel's this year, and it was really dreadful, but I saw m- more matches of Renegades that were to a terrible standard, so I've got to say Renegades for that reason. Why? Unfortunately, for, it's got to be Mabel. Mabel, it is. Uh, we will move on next. I'll tell you, we'll, we'll, we'll bring this one forward. It was going to be in the final three, but I think this is going to be a quick one. Talker of the Year, Chris? Cactus Jack. Tom? Cactus Jack. Wayne? Cactus Jack. Cactus Jack, yeah. Uh, we don't need to talk about it. Just listen to any ECW show this year, and you will find out why this guy has been 
but leagues ahead of anyone else. Uh, I include Ric Flair in that. He was leagues ahead of what Shane Douglas was doing last year. Um, I don't know that there's, you know, there are guys that were as good, but I don't know that there's guys in history that have been better than him. And I would give honourable mentions to Austin and his month in ECW as well, but Jack's work for the whole year has just been magnificent. I mean, I don't, like to, to cut promos that good as a face and as a heel over that length of time, that frequently, that consistently, it's astonishing. Wasn't going to be in the final three, but I'll pull it forward. Right. Here we are. Take a deep breath in. Match of the year. We are in the final straight. Uh, let's, yeah, Tom, your, your nominations. My nominations are Ric Flair and Sting. If we could be fairly slow about this, because I've got to write these down. Flair and Sting against Anderson and Pillman. Pillman, yep. Yep. From Havoc. And my second nomination is Sean McMahon, uh, sorry, Sean McMahon. Sean Michaels versus Razor Ramon at SummerSlam. Wayne. Um, Sting, Fleur, against Ann Anderson, Pillman, Halloween Havoc. Johnny Bibad against Brian Pillman, Fall Brawl. Ann Anderson, Rick Fleur, Fall Brawl, and any one of Guerrero Malenko in ECW. Chris. Benoit El Snow. The two out of three falls Malenko Guerrero with the time limit on the third fall. Razor and Sean, the ladder match, and two Cold Scorpio versus Dean Malenko TV title match off TV in April. Okay. Uh, we, we did allow it to five for this one. I have nominated five, largely just for getting everything in. Uh, in no particular order, uh, Eddie Guerrero versus Dean Malenko, I've gone with their May match. Um, I guess it's a bit difficult given that they, they had a few, but I think the first one was the best. Uh, Sean versus Razor, SummerSlam. I've got Benoit versus Al Snow. I've got Ric Flair versus Randy Savage from the Great American Bash, the main event on that. And I've also got Flair and Sting versus Arn and Pillman. Right, we could be absolutely age on this, so let's quickly run through the ones that only one of us has nominated. Um, in fact, Chris, I'll bundle your nomination in with Guerrero and Malenko that we'll discuss in a bit. Uh, Chris, Tuco Scorpio Di Malenko. Uh, I don't doubt it's very good, but a match that has slipped from my mind. You had technical ability of Dean mixed with the high flying of Too Cold, and it was the first time when we watched it um, we noticed that Too Cold can mat wrestle as good as Dean was. And it's it's one of those, it's only about nine, ten minutes long. It's on a TV hardcore taping. It's gold. It's TV gold. Um, Wayne, Arn Anderson, Ric Flair. It was Arn Anderson against Ric Flair. It was one match you probably never thought you was gonna uh, you was gonna see. Um, it had fantastic build up. It had big match feel. It had other wrestlers in attendance watching it. Um, the commentary team was was absolutely superb all the way throughout. The match had great psychology with. Um, uh, from from Fleur from from start to finish, um, the as I said the commentary team making point that Iron Anderson's never had a uh, had a title shot before. Um, the match itself was was an all style classic. You know I just, I just thought it was uh, it, it was great. I'll talk about Flair and Savage. Yeah, um, this uh, any of the others. 
No, I, I think Flair and Savage might be the only main event match I've got nominated. That's a little bit tricky where ECW is concerned. And I know Sean and Razor should have gone on last. Um, but we want to talk about big main event matches not delivering. And Brett versus Bulldog and Cats have a bit unlucky they didn't make anyone's not this, um, for, from this month. But in terms of main event match that looked good on paper and delivered, this is the one that hits out of the park. An electric pace match. Slightly dodgy finish, yeah. Um, but really good and it, it was needed. This was June and WCW hadn't had a good match up until the beginning of that show when Pillman and Wright had a barnstormer. Um, but this, this needed that, uh, where shall we go next? The other one we've got left. Um, Wayne, th- this, this is a very big honorable mention for me. Johnny Bad and Brian Pillman, talk to me about that. Yeah, I mean, considering, as I, as I mentioned before, this match was, was put on to, to prove a point that these guys couldn't last, they couldn't go, uh, they were just another Steve Austin, and, and what they put on was, uh, was an absolute barnstormer. Um, the it, it was it was just, and tw- twenty nine minutes. I mean, that, yeah. that might be the longest match of anything we've got here. Um, no, I, I can't remember. Did it? Was it a time limit and then they had overtime? Yeah, they had a twenty minute yeah. and then an overtime. And uh, just to quickly refute that as well, I think the Guerrero Malenko match was a thirty minute time limit draw as well. So technically, no. Uh, but yeah, it was it was twenty minute time limit and then they had an overtime as well. Yeah, it was. They, they just you know they. Uh, Said you know Brian Pillman, he's uh, you know he's he's he's, he's high flying and uh, and obviously you know Johnny Bibad is is quite athletic. Um, I just thought they paired really well together and it was out there to prove a point and 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 they really did. Uh, where to go next? Um, uh, let's talk, Chris. Let's talk about Benoit events else. No, this was for me. Ben was pinnacle in ECW. Um, he he just had it was just such a classic match. There was sort of suplexes, everything was crisp. Al Snow from nowhere was amazing in this match. They melded so well together, and it it was just sort of everything that's good about strong style Japanese style wrestling together and just looked like it all hurt made it believable yeah i fucking love this match um you know in terms of just a, a a barnstorming pace a ridiculous amount of physicality there is a fantastic moment in this match when benoit flips al snow over the top rope to the outside turns to face the hard camera snow pops up on his feet jumps on the uh, apron does a, a springboard drop kick and, and, and leathers ben, you know, sends benoit flying out the other side of the ring that was nuts um and what i really liked about this match was that it really told a really nice story like a real few layers to the story um real to the match i i, I really loved it and it will certainly be in, in contention when we get to the end uh, where to go next? Um, Tom, I'll bring you in. Let's talk about Sean and Razor from SummerSlam ladder match. So this was the sequel to um, the the first ladder match that, that was really brought to the mainstream of pro wrestling um, and blew a lot of people's minds. Um, I, I don't think it was quite as good as the first, but I think it suffered from um, uh, being a sequel, as many sequels do. Um, I thought that it was uh, by far the best match on the card at SummerSlam. Um, it was the best match that I saw of any WWF um, product this year. Uh, admittedly, I've only seen three or four shows. Um, but I thought that uh, it showcased the best athlete that they have 
in Shawn Michaels, the best in-ring worker that they have in Shawn Michaels, and a damn good hand uh, with Razor Ramon. Um, the two were able to put on more... Ra- Razor's more. better than that. Come on. Well, 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 he is, but when you're against Shawn Michaels, he, he, he's not on that level, unfortunately. Well, fair enough, but, but there's a lot of guys that you would describe as good hands, damn good hands, that can't lace Razor Ramon's boots. Yeah, okay, fair dudes. Maybe I'm not giving him enough credit. The, guy, the guy's a hell of a worker. Um, but I just mean that the quality of Shawn Michaels' talent um, made, probably made him look look less of a talent than he is, in, in a way. But that's that's unfortunate, because Shawn Michaels does that with everyone that he's in, he's in the ring with, because he's just so exceptional. Um, and the match was fantastic. had some great spots. had a really nasty spot when Shawn fell to the outside and hit his uh, ankle on the, on the, the guardrail. looked like he broke his leg. Um, it was just worked so well. Um, and I, I, I think um, for a company like WWF that's really not putting out too much... Um, that people can really get proud of and say, you know, I watch this product for a reason. You can actually show this match to people and go, this is why I watch Pro Wrestling. This is why I watch WWF. Um, and be, be proud of it. Yeah, I think you're right, Tom, in the sense that this does suffer a little bit in the sense that it is the sequel. Um, the reason we're not talking about it as by far and away the best match of the year is that we saw probably a fractionally better version last year. Um, given the given the fact it was the follow-up, given the fact they had some certain restrictions of what they could do because Vincent Mann was getting all worried about uh, media and all that stuff. It's a phenomenal effort. It, it, the butt is, we've seen it. That's that's kind of it. And it will, when we get to Guerrero and Malenko, which we'll come on to now, uh, I mean, we saw both in the same year, um, and it might end up splitting the vote as well. But the thing about the two out of three falls match was that I actually think it was quite as good as their opener, but the first time you see Guerrero and Malenko, you'll never get that first time again. Um, and so the first one is always going to benefit more. Uh, we could all discuss that Sean Razor match, but for the sake of time, we won't. Uh, Chris, um, talk about Guerrero Malenko. Uh, you did not make the two out of three falls match from August. Um, I'll give you a time now if you want to talk about that and their, and their May match too. As we'll go over the, the feud as a whole. Um, these two, through the whole of the run of their matches in ECW, was very much a one-upmanship between the whole thing. Um, counter wrestling, mixing high spots, Eddie bringing in his lucha style, Dean doing very much sort of a more technical ground based thing, and them two together countering each other, countering counters, reversing reversals. It was a masterclass. Um, I went with the two out of three falls one just because I liked the story better. I liked the fact that both of them got a victory in it and then obviously it went to the time limit and they shook hands at the end and left it as a draw. You know, all the way through that whole run. That bit annoyed me about the two out of three falls match. The draw. I, I know it's the final yeah. match. I know they've been booked as equals. But ECW are a company that so often will try and avoid the mainstream booking. Put one of them fucking over. You know, like, you're not going to damage Dean Malenko on the way out if he gets pinned by Guerrero. I don't want to undercut a great match, but that that did annoy me disproportionately highly. Yeah, I, I, just to jump in there, I would concur. And the reason the reason why I didn't vote for any of their matches was because I thought that... I, I agree with Bob. I think the first match was the best, but I don't think it was the best by a mile to say that actually you should single it out. And I think it's unfair to, just to point out one of the matches having had this as my feud of the year, each of the matches have got brilliant moments and all of them in their own way are wrestling masterclasses. So uh, that's the only reason why I didn't didn't want to put this in here. So I just thought I'd jump in with that. Chris, final thoughts? Um, 
as a whole, they're all amazing. And as Tom just said, they're all masterclasses. Well said. Wayne, Ric Flair and Sting versus Arn Anderson and Brian Pillman. Well, let's just put it like this. When Flair is on the side, um, I'm literally how I was at Halloween Havoc. I'm at the edge of my seat and I'm bouncing up and down. And this is what I'm like now, just waiting to talk about this match. I absolutely loved it. Um, all because of Flair, yes. Um, did we know what was going to happen at the end? Yes. But, you know, you can't, um, fault everything that was, that was about this match. We had, we had Sting on his own in, in, in a handicap match and, uh, you know, the Sting was great, outsmarting the, uh, you know, the both of Van Anderson and, and Flying Brian. And, uh, and then also we got to see Flair and he was, he was just, Doing his antics at the uh, at ringside uh, on on top, uh, sorry, the, the, on on the apron, and, and he was uh, he, you know he was just doing all of his uh, strutting and bouncing up and down, and and the crowd was just absolutely over for uh, for this and, and so hot for it and um, and I know I, I did the show with, um, with with Martin and sorry with with Tom and, and we was doing uh, we, we were seeing exactly the same thing it was just Flo was was just absolutely uh, 10 out of 10 you know performer in in this and uh, as I said you know we we knew what was going to happen at the end um, but it was uh, it, it, it just didn't spoil it one bit Tom yeah, it's difficult to say anything that, that hasn't already been said. Um, I, 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 in my, I did a little bit of notes in, in my preparation for this, and in the, in the explanation as to why I put this match there, I just put Ric Flair. Uh, so it's difficult to, to elaborate on that, really. But what, for me, as a fan of pro wrestling, what I like is, though, and again, this was just touched upon, when you, touch, when you talk about those edge-of-the-seat moments where you're literally... And th- th- there are very other few sports that can do that in, in such a way. Like sometimes with football, you'll get it in penalty shootouts or like gold, um, extra time, golden goal, that sort of thing. But when there's a moment where you're just literally so excited that you can't stay in your chair, that happens in very few sports. And that's where pro wrestling and sports entertainment comes into a league of its own. And Ric Flair absolutely embodies what that is and that moment because and again, I don't want to repeat what's already been said, but when he was bounding up and down the side, I was literally doing the same. I got out of my chair and I was walking up and down going, come on, come on. And that, that's the only time this year that I've done that ever in, in the whole year. Um, and, and that's not to take away from the performances that everybody else put in in the match as well, because, you know, although he was the, the, the main man, uh, Sting put in a great shift. Pillman, who I gave my um, Rising Star of the Year nomination to, and Anderson, who's just one of the biggest legends uh, in pro wrestling ever, um, it was just brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. And if you haven't seen it, I couldn't recommend you watch it enough and then watch it again. Oh, by Christ, yeah, do that. Um, I, I'm genuinely torn between this and Benoit and Al Snow. Um, this is a, you know, you don't criticise a movie with a predictable ending if it's a great movie. Uh, this may have been really obvious, but fuck me, it was fun watching it, watching the ride. Um, you know, Ric Flair is an absolute pro. This match was perfect. They didn't, like, you you can nitpick probably in every single match that you ever watch. I don't know that there's anything wrong with this match. Having Sting just get the crap beaten out of him for 20 minutes, Flair comes out halfway through, the crowd explode. Flair paces, you know, walks the aisle on the apron, just paces up and down, whips up a storm, gets the tag in and turns on Sting. It's... It's 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 phenomenal. It really is. Uh, Chris, your your nomination for match of the year, and, and be ben specific. Benoit yeah, versus Al Snow. Tom. Ric Flair, Ric Flair, Ric Flair, and uh, some other people involved in the match as well. Wayne. 
the tag match at Halloween Havoc. Thank you, Flo. I'm going to split this. Uh, yeah, Benoit versus Al Snow. Um, we'll, we'll tie this award. I, I, I could easily vote for either. Um, yeah, Benoit versus Al Snow is a phenomenal wrestling match. I heart it's. It's, I wouldn't even necessarily say it's my kind of wrestling and that it perhaps was the kind of thing I might go, yeah, a bit too flashy, a bit too fast-paced, but when you work a fit style as closely as that to physicality, it was phenomenal. And Florian Sting versus Arnon Pillman is is an absolute masterclass in storytelling. I, I, I'm happy to, to split those, the, those votes, so we'll jointly award Match of the Year to those two. And we've got two more categories left to go through. Uh, we, 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 I, usually I, I, I like to group talk with these two, but given that I want to move it forward for the sake of time, catch that was our talker of the year. Uh, final two to go, our worker of the year and MVP of the year. Uh, both are what might be described as wrestler of the year. I differentiate between the two of them for, for obvious reasons. Um, but worker of the year is in-ring performer. MVP of the year is kind of wrestler of the year. It's the overall package, essentially. Uh, Chris, your nominations for worker of the year. It's the easiest one this year. Benoit Malenko Guerrero. Malenko and Guerrero. Two nominations. Eddie Guerrero and Shawn Michaels. Michaels. Why? Benoit Guerrero, Bret Hart. And I have Shawn Michaels. I have Eddie Guerrero, and I have Chris Benoit. Uh, Wayne, Bret Hart. Obviously, he's, he's not been in the main event scene um, pretty much this year, but he's he's still been putting on some some great matches. Um, and I think you know he's not demotivated by it. He's he's you know he's he's also built up some other guys as uh, as well. Even though WWF booking might have not done anything done anything with it. I mean, you know, look at the match with uh, Jean Pierre Lafitte. Uh, his, his his match with Hakushi. Um, I think there's a match that he had with with Bulldog, um, and um, yeah, Bulldog match this month. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and and obviously Diesel as well. Um, you know, I, I, I think you can't, I, you know, I can't put him in in the work as the worker of the year category because even though he's he's, he's not had, had had the belt until the end of the year, um, he's he's still, you know, he's he's still worked his ass off and uh, and done what he's always done and that's you know tried as, as much as anything to put on great matches. Bob Backlund aside, yeah, couldn't say any more on that. Um, Chris, he can feel incredibly hard done by, but Dimalenko only got one nomination here. Talk, talk to us about him. The the shooter is what m- most people should try to be when they're learning to do wrestling. He is so technically proficient. He is one of the greatest ground and in ring workers in the world today. He's so smooth. He's so sort of fluid with everything he does. Everything looks believable. And I don't think I've seen Guerrero, uh, Malenko have a bad match with anyone. No. Um, I'm not sure he's capable. But yeah, I incredibly unlucky. He'd probably be fourth if I was allowing four nominations in this one. Um, yeah, agreed. I think... I think Benoit's fractionally better, and I think Guerrero has a lot of intangibles that Malenko, in part because the character he was defined in, but in part because he doesn't have those abilities. Guerrero has a lot of extra things, and, and, and Shawn Michaels is just 
fucking phenomenal. Uh, I suppose Guerrero has the flashy luchery side to him where Malenko doesn't. Malenko's a bit more of a technician, yeah. Uh, okay, incredibly unlucky. Um, but he just doesn't quite stand out as much. Um, Tom, Shawn Michaels. Well, what can you say? I mean, the guy is, he's what WWF should be, uh, embodying as their, we want you to be like this guy. Um, he's got a bit of a ways to go on the microphone, I think. He hasn't quite toned, you know, uh, honed his craft on, on that yet. But I think that in the ring, he is just, he's phenomenal. He's every, every what, every match I've watched with him in, I've just thought to myself, he is so, uh, so far above the majority of other people, um, in the business in terms of his speed. Um, his ring awareness, his creativity, the excitement level he brings to the matches. There's no one like him. And he's not really specifically a high flyer. He isn't, you know, like a sort of Rey Mysterio guy where he's doing constant hurricanranas and, and leapfrogs and over the things over the top rope. But he's got that in his arsenal. But he's also got the ground game. He's got the strength. Um, and it's believable when he's up against big guys like like um, Diesel and, and, and others. Um, where you think this guy really could do it. Um he doesn't pot, even if he's in a bad match, he never looks bad in it. Um, and I haven't actually seen him have a bad match this year, um, from the matches I've seen. So he gets my vote, um, from a, from a company that really don't have a lot else to, to say for themselves, but he is an absolute shooting star. A dribbles charisma. I mean, oh. uh, we talk about Guerrero, but I mean, Michaels is, it's, it's believable, which helps, but it's like, man, this guy, you, you, you have to watch him. You have to watch him. Everything about him is immense. If he could stay fit for a year, I think it would be amazing. I think 1996 is going to be his year. Anyway, uh, where we go next? Um, let's, Chris, talk about Chris Benoit. Once again, with, as I said, with Malenko, someone that is so crisp, so technically proficient, but he has that instinct in him that just makes everything look like it hurts more. He's got that that intensity, that that killer rage in him that just throws people about. The suplexes, you know, everything's just that bit crisper, that bit more angry, which you know, obviously from his work in Japan and the strong style, gives him something that no one else in the states has. He is fucking phenomenal. Um, just as, you know, I, I don't know that he's had enough of an opportunity this year to show it. He's been in Japan a lot. Um, his great match with Al Snow aside, it's not like he did a ton of work with Guerrero or Malenko and ECW. God, those matches could have been good if they'd have been given the same kind of opportunity. Um, they were just on different courses. Um, and then in WCW, we're beginning to see it. Um, but as a guy who is just so crisp, I mean, to work a style that physical and that believable at that speed, I don't know that anyone else can do it. Um, and he is, again, a bit like Michael's, just so watchable. Like, I don't even think you have to like wrestling to be captivated by a guy like this or a guy like Michael's. Just so, so good. Um, the final guy I think we'll all chip in on. Uh, Wayne, Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, I mean, um, just copy and paste what I said before in, in Rising Star. This guy's, uh, guy brilliantly said he's, he, he just uses charisma. Um, I've never, or at least I can't remember if I've seen a bad match with, uh, with, with this guy, whether it's ECW or, or WCW. Um, and, um, 
he's just fantastic to watch and, uh, and you know he, he could probably develop the character a little bit more and, and you know that might make may happen in, in 1996 but you can't fault his work rate you can't fault any of any, any of his matches um, he, you know he puts on absolute barnstormers with, with every, uh, whoever he's up against and how wrong was Terry Taylor about this guy yeah a good reference that uh, I won't explain it now but yeah we, we did reference that on one of the, uh, the new soaps this month uh, Tom yeah, the only way I can really uh, describe Eddie Guerrero uh, is this isn't going to go down too well. But if you had Dean Malenko and you put a personality into him, you'd have Eddie Guerrero. That's the only way I could describe him. Interesting, I suppose. Uh, Chris, he is the perfect hybrid of Japanese, Mexican, and technical wrestling. He has the flashes of Luchador. He's not as crisp and as aggressive as Benoit, but he's got that in him. And as we saw with his matches with Malenko, he has got that technical side to him where he can reverse reversals. And seeing that these three, Malenko with them, and now in WCW, I'd quite like to see what they can do with some of them better workers there. Um, your Alex Wrights, your Flying Bryans. I reckon we could get some good matches from all of them in the coming year. Yeah, I won't add any more. I think you, you covered him well enough. Uh, Wayne, your nomination, or your vote for Worker of the Year. It's a tough one, but I'm going to give it to Benoit. Chris. I, I, it's like choosing out of your kids. <laughs> it, I, don't make me pick. Can I just put all three in? No. Oh, Benoit. Tom. It was tough because um, I think both of my nominations deserve it. But I, I've, I've just because of the, the series of matches we've talked about so much already, I've got to go with Eddie Guerrero. Well, Benoit's going to take it by default because I vote for Shawn Michaels. Um, so yeah, our worker of the year is Chris Benoit. And yeah, you know, you're right. This is a, an incredibly tough selection. Um, all, all three guys deserve it. It's probably just Belenko too. Um, but Benoit's fucking phenomenal. He really is. Uh, right. The final, we, we, we got to the end over two hours after we start recording this. MVP of the year. We kind of call it wrestler of the year. It's, it's all around package. It's, it's wrestling ability. It's promos. It's drawing power. It's charisma. It's, uh, it's guys you tune in for. It's, it's everything. The, the whole package. Uh, Chris. I've only got the two. It's Shawn Michaels and Cactus Jack. Michaels and Cactus Jack. Tom. I also have the same two nominations, Shawn Michaels and Cactus Jack. Wayne. Mm. Cactus Jack, but Ric Flair. Woo! Woo! <laughs> Woo! Uh, I, I also nominated Flair. Um, I'll give a kind of third nomination slash honourable mention, because he's not going to win it, to Sting. Um and I also nominated Sean Michaels. Uh, yeah, quickly on Sting. Um, I don't think he's had a great year in terms of, I don't think he's been put in marquee positions, which I guess you should say yeah, evaluates him for this award. Not that the other guys have been either. Um, but a consistently good act that I think has improved a lot. 
Um, he's been in some great matches this year, uh, a, a fair number of them, uh, mainly against Ric Flair. Um, but let's, uh, we, we've kind of done them all, so I guess we'll be fairly brief at, at, at this stage in the show. Uh, Chris, we'll start with Cactus Jack. For his consistent mic work all year, the fact that he's been face and heel this year, he he went through that stage where he did wrestling. Boring 1980s style wrestling in ECW as a way to get hated in the ring. He has just been a consistent package all year. And I can see him going to probably the Fed and bigger and better things coming from next year. Wayne, Ric Flair. Um, sorry, you just threw me a little and I thought I was going to go into Cactus Jack. Um, give, give us 15 seconds on Cactus Jack. Yeah, well, Cactus Jack, basically, he is a massive face in ECW because he's spouting all this about WCW and then he comes a massive heel uh, because he wrestles as if he's back in WCW. Very well surmised. Uh, talk to me about Ric Flair. Ric Flair, so he's retired. Um, then obviously they bring him back. Uh, obviously you've got the um, segments that you that you mentioned before. Um, His he, talking throughout the year has been has been fantastic. We've um, you know we've had many matches with Sting, which have been same as as what we've had uh, all throughout the past, and uh, um, which which have obviously been great. Um, we had that absolute classic of a match, which um, you know was was nominated of uh, match of the year for uh, uh, for the Halloween Havoc tag match, and and that was just for Fleur. Um and then uh, and then he tops it off by the you know finishing the year as uh, as WCW World Heavyweight Champion. Tom, uh, a little bit on Cactus Jack, and then talk about Shawn Michaels. Cactus Jack is uh, a phenomenal um, talker on the mic. He is incredibly uh, uh, giving in what he gives into his matches. I can't see how many years he's going to be around for. um, But the creativity of that guy, I mean, just, you know, the Eric Bischoff T-shirts, forgive me, Uncle Eric and all that stuff. It's just it's just amazing. Nobody else is doing things like that. And and he talks about the Kane Dewey promo. He's cut a load of promos this year that just were just incredible. Um, and he's had some brilliant matches and he's just, he's just incredible. Um, and moving on to Shawn Michaels, um, we talked about this a moment ago, really. Uh, my praise of Shawn Michaels w- was mainly in ring. And although I said he needs to, I think he needs to improve and, and sort of, um, really round his game off on, on the microphone and really find out what his character is, the, the, the talent is definitely there and his charisma is oozing, as you said. So, um, he's got everything you would want in a pro wrestler. Cactus Jack almost hasn't because he's so, he's so not the typical pro wrestler, but he's got so many other things that are great about him that it's like this uh, yin and yang thing between the two of them for me, and I just cannot make my mind up about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, again, this, this is difficult going on last year. We, we, we're all covering ground we covered a few times already, so we, we could go a lot longer. But, yeah, um, let's vote. Wayne, MVP, uh, wrestler of the year. Cactus Jack. Chris. Cactus. Tom. Cactus. Well, I didn't think Sean was going to lose this. I, I voted for Sean. But yeah, um, no, you're right. The, the promos were... And I probably should have voted for Cactus Jack on, on, on reflection, but I obviously thought Sean was going to win it. Uh, the promos of Cactus Jack were phenomenal. Um, and I think it, it says a lot that when we came to Talk of the Year, we just 
burst through it. It wasn't a discussion. It wasn't a nomination. It wasn't, you know, it's not been a great year for promos. I don't know. There's been a great promo of the WWF. I mean, Shane Douglas went there and, and, and drowned. Um, mostly not of his own doing. Uh, Ric Flair has been 80% of where Ric Flair can be. Um, but you want to talk about an all round package? I, I guess the one slight hit against Cactus Jack was where was his great match? And I don't know that he's had one. He's had a fair few nice brawls. Um, but we're talking about all round package. We're talking about great matches. Sure, Michaels has been involved in two or three of those. And, you know, he's, we, we've nominated Cactus Jack, so perhaps, perhaps we'll wrap this up in a slightly different way than this. But the promos were astonishing as a guy who just hit eight, nine, ten out of ten so consistently. Um, and a, a worthy winner. And that will wrap up this month's show. I got that. We, we, we were clocking nine hours when we started recording this show. So God knows where we are. Presumably about 11 now. Um, a big thank you firstly to Wayne Lithgow. Thank you very much, Bob. Uh, Wayne, you can be found on Twitter. I can on WayneL84. Tom Martin. Yeah. Cheers, Bob. Uh, you're on Twitter, Tom. I am. It's, uh, Mark Out Martin with a Y. And Chris Lacey. Cheers very much, boys. It's been emotional. Uh, Chris, uh, your personal Twitter account and briefly your Super Brawl podcast. My account is Lacey555666 and you can follow my little project of Super Brawls where we go over WCW, as you know by now, on at Super Brawls and it's on at Super Brawls on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, iTunes and all other respectable podcast sites. Fretful podcast outlets. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Bobby Bamba. Uh, Wrestling20YRS is the code you need on Facebook, on Twitter.com. Uh, we're on iTunes, RSS feed, everything's on the website. Wrestling20YRS.com. Uh, 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 big kudos to anyone that listens to our show full stop, semi-regularly. Um, but if you've done one to six, if you've done it back to back, I, I, I'd go and see somebody and get some help, given that there's about 11 hours of shows. Um, but if you've done these in a row over the course of, I don't know, a week, two weeks, fair fucking play. Um, it's been a lot of fun this month. Uh, thankfully, I had about a two-week gap between recording the, the last show we did and this one. Um, and, yeah, here's to, to 1996. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fucking fun, one way or another. Um, yeah, that's been that. I've been Bob Bamber. This has been Volume 6 of the December 1995 edition of the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast. And until next time, goodbye.